This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Happy Wednesday to you. Top of the morning, Dr. Matt here, along with Jeff and Terry. We're gathered, folks, to give you the latest, the greatest, a leg up in life. And today we are going to be taking on sexual assault and harassment. Really? Yes. We're going to solve the problem we're today? Gonna, we, we're going to talk about it in oh. depth. We're gonna, okay. Yeah, I don't think we'll solve it today. We're taking it on, but not like all the way to solving the yeah. social crisis. No. Okay. You don't even, right. You can't solve it all on one show. I just wanted to set expectations hour. where they were going to be. Mm-hmm. But That's, you can solve it for yourself. Yeah. We've yeah. already talked to HR. Yeah. Took care of that. Uh, and we're going to be talking with an expert about how we talk about sexual harassment. Even just calling it sexual abuse mm-hmm. might be diminishing it. Really? Yeah. Abuse is lesser than harassment? Uh, in I would a think way. it's the other way around. You would think, huh? Yeah. Do you, do you know what the tip from HR was? What? Knock it off. Yeah, that's yeah. Mm. that'll always be the tip, yeah, yeah, yeah. and always, by the way, should be the tip. In fact, did you see um, who uh, who's out fighting for Roy Moore now? Steve Bannon. Yeah, and his really, and the person he's taking on for some odd reason. Do you remember we talked about the whatabouts? Mm-hmm. So the whatabouts are when you know something's going on, and in, in you know in your backyard, and instead of you addressing what's going on in your backyard, you say, "Well, what about Jerry's backyard?" And then you totally distract or you cho- totally change the subject. Well, mm-hmm. Bannon uh, is now doing that. By- Bannon, by the way, who uh, got somebody elected. Who Ooh, was it? Who uh, could it be? Oh, Trump. Yes. Oh. He's now taking on um, Mitt Romney about Roy Moore because Mitt Romney came out and said, you really shouldn't give up your values and your morals for somebody like Roy Moore. Um and now Bannon is basically saying Mitt Romney didn't even go to Vietnam. You want the quotes? Yeah. Here, so read it. Bannon said uh, Roy Moore has more honor and integrity in his pinky finger than your, Mitt Romney's, entire family has in its whole DNA. Yeah. Because he says you hid behind your religion. You went to France to be a missionary while where, where guys were dying in Vietnam. Right, and then he wow. goes on because uh, Romney. He said a no vote, uh, no vote, no majority is worth losing our honor and integrity. That's what right. that's what yeah. Romney said about no Moore. vote or no majority in the Senate is worth losing your honor and your integrity. Bannon went on to note that uh, Moore graduated from West Point and served in Vietnam. Yeah, served in Vietnam, and then came home, and uh, because he had done all of that uh, and got a law degree, there were no females his age. No eligible women his age. So he then needed to date teenage girls. He went younger. Do you think Bannon's quote against Mitt Romney is going to go over too well, or do you think it's going to be it's going to be the same as uh, what somebody said about uh, his wife, that she'd never worked a day in her life? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the bigger thing is... He's beating up Mitt Romney and his sons for never serving, even though Donald Trump. He had dodged. multiple deferments because of bone spurs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those, those bone spurs, and none of his kids have served in the military. And yet Bannon faithfully defended his, right. uh, his draft right. dodgery. It's more likely that Trump just went to a couple of Spurs games. Probably. Yeah. So yeah, that was yesterday. That, that was that again, and this gets yeah. back to the argument of, uh, and and then one of Roy Moore's staff members 
was seriously uh what's the word um destroying and dis- and disparaging the reputation of the women that have come out against Roy Moore. Mm-hmm. And so how we handle this is a really big deal. Uh, we have women coming forward now with past assault claims, sexual assault, sexual harassment claims. And don't forget, Mitch McConnell came out and said he believes the, what the women say and that Roy Moore shouldn't be the candidate. Now right. he's right. supporting that, even though he said he believed what the women said. Right. So, I mean, if you believe the, ac- the, the, the accusations, what he's been accused of, and you support him, what is that saying for right. the well, whole system? And the White House, too. And th- so they're getting a lot of really tough questions in the, in the White House press uh, room. And one of the questions is, so do, do you not have – does the president not have a moral issue with, with basically um, supporting Roy Moore, who has been alleged to have committed child, uh, uh, child um, assault on children? Do you not have a moral issue with that? And the spokesperson um, said, well, we're going to leave that up to the decision of the people of Alabama. Which is the main talking point, it sounds like. We're just going to let the people of Alabama decide, except here's the problem. The president president does get to decide if he backs openly Roy Moore, and he's chosen to, period. Regardless of what the people of Alabama say, the president has backed Roy Moore. So, by the way, has the GOP uh, National Committee, GOP Committee. Which They're is headed now by backing Roy Moore. Mitt Romney's niece. She's the head of the committee. Yeah. So a lot of people are backing Roy Moore. And, they all, and we know why, right? They need votes. They got to get this guy through. But does it is – it, how is it going to impact? And I think – when half of the population, or actually probably more, are female, there's going to be a backlash. I think eventually there's going to be a backlash. Hmm. I think 2018 is going to be a very interesting year because how much of this can you take and how much of this can you allow? And at what point is you know, harming children going – even if it's 30 years later and even if you did serve in Vietnam, at what point do you just say we're not doing that anymore? Hollywood's saying it. To some point, uh, news agencies are saying it. We're not going to allow abusers, but for some reason, our politicians don't. Mm. Machiavelli, <laughs> it's happening. The ends justify the means. So uh, we'll be covering that today as well. And and interesting interview. Also, um, uh, the backlash again on the move of, to the embassy to Jerusalem. Right. Now it's really heating up because now the whole entire peace process, which Jared Kushner, uh, president's son-in-law, was, was pushing and was going to go in there, remember? Because he's, he's a business developer, a real estate developer, and a Jewish man of Jewish faith decided you know, he was going to go in and, and create a peace plan that no one else had ever been able to do. But now it's up in jeopardy because of uh, – a movement of the embassy to, to Jerusalem, or at least a statement of that. So we'll get to all of that. But first to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to? Intense winds are fueling powerful wildfires in Southern California, forcing nearly 30,000 people to evacuate their homes. 
uh, burning in and around 50,000 acres so far. California Governor Jerry Brown declared a state of emergency in Ventura County. More than 1,000 firefighters and others are trying to contain the blaze. This fire is very dangerous and spreading rapidly, but we'll continue to attack it with all we've got, Brown said. Mm. According to the LA Times, at least 150 structures have been destroyed. I know they're having problems getting some of their air support aircraft in the air because of the high winds. Uh, Is this all because of just years of drought? Is that what's happened here? So we've just created a big... And then the Santa Ana winds and, yeah. Man, that's sad. So trying to fight it, it's difficult as the winds continue. Right. Uh, Senator, or Republican Senator Jeff Flake on Tuesday posted an image of a $100 check he made out to Roy Moore's Democratic rival in Alabama. Oh, what uh, a flake. Country over party, the retiring Arizona center wrote as a caption to the image showing his donation to Doug Jones' campaign. Flake has been outspoken in his displeasure with the Trump administration, and that disapproval has similarly extended to Moore's Senate campaign, especially in light of the sexual misconduct allegations against the ex-judge. It's going to be difficult enough for Republicans without being the party of Roy Moore, Flake told reporters after Trump publicly endorsed the embattled candidate. Wow. Last month, the Republican senator said, I would literally, if I were in Alabama, I would run a polling place to vote for the Democrat. Wow. He's really, really against Roy Moore. Yet he only shelled out $100. (laughs) That is amazing. A sitting GOP senator shelling out $100 for the Democratic candidate. In the memo line it says country over country over party. Party, yeah. Yeah, yeah, country over party. Put that in the memo line of the check. But, uh, I mean, it's true. I mean, at some point, when does the country... Trump party. Don't we'll use see. that word Sorry. in that sentence. I didn't know what other word to use. <laughs> and finally, uh, Amazon. Uh, well, Matt, you're you're getting into the foray into voice assistance yes. in your home. Uh-huh. You're getting into this. Uh, I don't know. Somebody eavesdropping. Now. I'm not not really sure about. Like I, I don't really use the voice assistant on my phone. Cause Why? Because it, it doesn't work. It doesn't like your voice. I go, hey, set a 30 minute timer. What? I will set a 30-minute bomb. So you have to shut it down, what? and then sometimes I say 30-minute timer, and it calls somebody. Oh, don't you? Right, uh, what are you doing? Call Lois. Calling Lewis. No, 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 no. Call Lois. Calling Ruin. All so, day long, I'm doing that. Amazon's foray into video and advertising are a tiny part of its media push. Amazon dominates the voice assistant market. Uh, which is skyrocketing amongst millennials. The Amazon Echo, 70%. So this is all the uh, the people out there who have these devices. It says Amazon Echo is 70% of the market. The Google Home is 23% of the market. And then wow. everybody else is 6.6% of the market. Now, granted, Everybody else on earth. Apple hasn't kicked out their device, which yeah. we, uh, it's about a, it's cl- I think it's about $350 to $400, yeah, which you is way take more expensive than the other ones. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But voice adoption is exploding. Amazon and light years ahead of everyone else in this category. This year, month, monthly voice-enabled devices usage is up 189% year over year. So it's just the adoption is huge at this point. The future of search uh, of search is voice, image, and video. So this could be the first big step in potentially putting a dent into Google's search dominance by mm-hmm. Amazon. Yeah, Google is expected to take roughly seventy eight percent of search advertising, and it owns a majority of desktop and mobile search traffic. So of all advertising, seventy eight percent goes to one company, Googly, because people still you know they Google. Ah. 
David Poltrak, Chief Research Officer, CBS News. I, I, yeah. I, I told you about this yesterday after the show. To stress how important TV advertising still is, Poltrak pointed to a digital powerhouses of Facebook, Amazon, Google, Apple, and Netflix, even with their sophisticated data resources the uh, and attribution models. They're still putting their marketing money in network TV. He said those five companies collectively will spend over a billion dollars in TV advertising in 2017. Yeah, a twenty three percent increase from last year, but right. So they're all focused on digital. They want to on every web page. They want right. to make sure you see all these ads. But they're putting a billion dollars into television. But, well, but maybe. Uh, it, by the way, that hmm. he says the hottest brand competition right now is between Amazon's Alexa and Google Home. Yeah, but the reality is, it seems like is you know, have you ever made fresh squeezed orange juice? Uh, no, I usually just go buy it if I want it. Well, back in the day, yeah. we used to cut an orange in half, and then you would squeeze the orange mm. and a little jazz music nice. on the side while we <laughs> are good. squeezing some oranges. <laughs> and but So what TV doesn't know mm. is that it's a half-squozen, is that the word? Sure, squeezed. squeezed. It, it'll work for this. It sounds weird. Yeah. A half-squeezed um, orange mm. that it thinks is on top of the world. But really, Google's just trying to get the rest of the juice out of that little slice, and then it will be disposed of. Yeah. And then Google will officially own the world. But meanwhile, they need TV, like the Super Bowl, like you were talking about. Not even that. Just random game. Just, but what they need then is then then Google goes on, and, and in their commercial, they'll say, Hey, Alexa, or whatever. Well, Google well, says. Well, Amazon will say, Hey, Alexa. Yeah. And... Then Alexa actually turns on in your house, and then they somehow own you for life. <laughs> They've turned on the dark inner ghost of technology in your house, mm. and they've done it through a commercial. I'm telling you, this is how they're taking over the world. And I, I, I'm not going to say anything because people may be listening, but I, Santa may be bringing oh, wow. one of these devices to my home. Interesting. And so we've made a pact as a family that we won't talk ill about anybody publicly because Alexa may be listening or the, our machine. What's it called? Yeah. Alexa. Well, Alexa is the trigger word. Yeah. So well, as Alexa's we say the, this, if anyone's, listen, if anyone's listening to this near one of those devices, it's firing off. Every time right. I say Alexa, it fires and off. And they're probably not happy with you right now. Alexa, listen to the Matt Townsend show. <laughs> there you go. That's actually how I turned on this music. Really? Alexa. Actually, I Play told, some no. jazz. told Alexa to set a 30-minute alarm, and this is what I got. With this kind of influence that you're talking about from these companies, yeah. right? These big technology companies. And then you look at, you know, like Facebook. They have a lot of this influence as they're a place where people go for information, right? So right. they have your eyeballs. They can put stuff, put advertising in front of you. Their effect, uh, they're in, you know, they're part of that whole 2016 election story. Right. So it's like, do they understand their influence? And in yesterday or the day before they announced a Facebook Messenger product for children. Hmm? Specifically, yeah, let's think about six-year-olds. How do we get six-year-olds to use a texting app so they can message their friends and their hey, parents? Hey, hey, and hey, so hey. they made it fun. Stay away from my six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from my six-year-old. Well, they used to have that penguin app mm -hmm. that you could go play in a community with other penguins. Right. Do you remember that? I did. 
Yeah. Stay away from my six-year-old. Yeah, that's kind of the, the thought people are like, really? That's creepy. Six-year-olds? What that's you- like mall walking. That's what that reminds me of. That's scary. Some of you that may not know about our Walmart mall walking idea. Apparently, the infamous 5K mm. and the the big movement of mall walkers around the world started in an Arkansas mall. Arkansas? Or, uh, sorry. Alabama. Alabama. I'm having yeah. a... Here's the deal. Okay. There's a started reason started in an Alabama this. mall about 35 years ago. Yeah. Um, I was up three times last night. Okay. Because we have our grandbaby living with us for a couple days. Oh. Okay. Wow. So. New house. New house. Different environment. Yeah. She cries. Mm-hmm. And the minute the ocean sound machine turns off, mm. she somehow wakes up. So how, we got, old is, how old is she? She's 16. The, your granddaughter's 16. Yeah, no. She's two. Yeah. Has she done the crazy thing yet where you wake up, you roll over, and she's standing there staring at no, you? No, but I've had That's that. That's scary. That is scary. Especially like when they're like, red rum, red rum. That bugs me. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what it means. Well, have them say it in the mirror. <laughs> um, so I didn't, get, I didn't get as much sleep last night. Hmm. But, hey, no excuse. It's just my brain's not, it just can't work today. It's just not working. Hey, uh, guess who's, um, you remember how Donald Trump was pretty sure that he was going to be the Time Man of the Year? I believe he, he put out the story that Time Magazine had called him yeah, and said something about... Hey, we want you to be on the cover. And he said, no, 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 not yeah. doing that, you're fake news. Yeah, we, we just need we just need you to come to a really big uh, event, like an interview, and have a lot of photo shoots and, and stuff. Time responded with, nobody calls you, dude. He, he passed on it. Yeah. He and passed he, on He it. makes his own covers, yeah. we know this. He made some fake covers, put them around yeah. Mar-a-Lago, yeah. so it's no big apparently, deal. Apparently not. He's not He's not the Time person of the year. Not no. not not not, a, not the person. No. Nor is Roy Moore. Okay. Nope. He looks good in that cowboy hat with the little gun. Have you seen that little gun that he likes yeah, to yeah. carry? Yeah. yeah. And nor is uh, Steve Bannon. Mm. Uh, it's actually the silence breakers. The women that have all come out in 2017 to uh, about sexual harassment claims. They are the people of the year. Men too. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's it's. I think it's awesome. And that's why we're talking about it on the show. We got to understand this. Mm. Can't keep pushing it under the rug. Remember, actors like Kevin Spacey, Charlie, jur- journalist Charlie Rose, comedian Louis C.K., Al Franken from the Senate. They've all, they, Matt Lauer. Last week. I mean, that was just, that's just the last few months. It's, it's amazing. But um, on the cover are people like Taylor Swift, former Uber engineer Susan Fowler, Ashley Judd. They're all on the cover. We're taking it on. And we will be talking in depth about it with our next guest. Sarah L. Cook will be joining us and uh, discussing an article she wrote in The Conversation um, that uh, is titled, The Way We Tell the Story of Hollywood Sexual Assault and Harassment Matters. Uh, We're going to do what we can to better understand how to talk about it and how to understand it without um, maligning the character of people that are coming forward and such things. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world.
The hashtag MeToo movement has brought major attention to the plight of women and all those who deal with sexual harassment and sexual assault. It has challenged how the world sees sexual harassment in our communities, in the news industry, in Hollywood, and as well in our political world. Here to speak more about this is uh, Sarah Cook, who has confronted the problem of sexual violence as an emergency room rape companion, a social worker, and advocate for initial passage of the VAWA, a teacher, a researcher, and also a professor of psychology at Georgia State University, Sarah L. Cook. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I am. I'm. I'm honored to have you helping us understand this issue because we have had story after story after story, and I feel like um, we don't do these stories justice by how we talk about them. Uh, sometimes I even don't. I don't know what to call it. I don't know if you call it sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual abuse, and so I need your insight. How should we be having the conversation? Um, in a way that we can make it so so this doesn't come up again, that this isn't the same old story again and again? That's a really good question, and one that I've thought an awful lot about. Um, the news coverage has been, I think, fairly decent, but as you suggest, the terminology is really hard. Yeah. And I think if we start with looking at um, sexual abuse, that usually refers to sexual mistreatment of, of children. Uh, and states generally um, have laws that say children cannot consent to sexual activity. And the age of consent ranges um, from 16 to 18, hmm. in, depending on the state. So, you know, what Roy Moore has been accused of is um, it could be child abuse, could be sexual abuse, um, it could be something more, it could be sexual assault. Um, so abuse is generally that. then uh, related to, to children, but adults, we would call it something else. Well, generally. Yeah. Generally. Uh, we still use the word abuse in, de- in describing domestic violence situations, mm. but let's, let's, for sake of simplicity or some clarity around this issue, let's put that aside. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, We've seen harassment uh, as as a term in in most of these situations, and that's because the behavior is occurring in a work setting, in an employment setting, and generally where someone, the harasser or the alleged perpetrator, has a degree of power and control over the alleged victim's career, job opportunities, uh, even current employment. But many of the actions that have been taken are actually tantamount to criminal sexual assault. So in a sense, I mean, it's harassment because of where it is, right? but some of the behaviors definitely are um, considered criminal behaviors as well. Mm. And so some could fall into the criminal court setting and some fall into the civil court setting. And I, I notice that that's actually that makes a lot of sense. And and sometimes, too, um, it may it may be harassment because it happened at work and you maybe went through your HR people. Um, but also sometimes you I, I've noticed that some of these um, victims are also they, they don't know what to think of it. They're so shocked. They're so blown away. They may go tell a family member, but they may not report it officially 
because of shame, embarrassment, fear of loss of opportunity and job. Um, so, so then it comes out later, but it doesn't make it any less true. And yet, then they get they're they're beat up in the media. That's true. And I would add to your list of reasons why women may not tell someone is because they may not understand what has happened. Hmm. The uh, public perception or public understanding of the terms harassment and rape and sexual assault um, is, is, is minimal. And we are guided often by stereotypical notions of what rape and sexual harassment are. And so sometimes um, a behavior, uh, for example, Katie Couric saying, uh, when she replied to someone who said, "What's the worst? What was the worst thing about working with Matt Lauer?" She said, "Well, he pinched my behind a lot." Mm. And um, the uh, gentleman who was interviewing her thought that was a riot, and she kind of laughed with him, but with this look on her face, like that really wasn't no, funny. That's not but funny. You, you might say to yourself, um, Katie Couric or Sarah Cook, "Well, is that really serious enough to rise to the level of sexual harassment?" Um, and the Supreme Court has, in cases, you know, basically put forth, and the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission has put forth um, guidelines uh, suggesting that the the harassment or the behavior has to be pervasive and extreme and interfere with your ability um, to complete your work duties. Hmm. Um, and, and also, um, I would add that a lot of the behavior that falls under the topic of sexual harassment may not be sexual in nature, but it may be comments. It may be um, pictures, inappropriate pictures in the workplace. Mm. It may be derogatory statements about um, about women, or about um, how a woman doesn't fit a stereotypical notion of what a woman should act like or look like. So while what's in the press is getting a lot of attention, and it's of a sexual nature. There is a large category of behaviors that fall under the topic of sexual or the, the term sexual harassment that don't have anything to do with sexual contact or even sexual behavior. It seems like we are we are under um, a major state of, of education, <laughs> like because just right there, you, you bring up a lot of incredible points that um, – much of what we're talking about is are the more titillating examples, the more, you know, interesting, um, but the ones that maybe have more sexual overtones. But there are many ways to harass, um, right? Yeah. And that's you're describing some of those, I think, uh, in, in an incredible uh, um, way. And yet, more and more stories are coming out, and we—it's almost like we don't know how to talk about it without some thinking that. You know, women are overreacting or people are overreacting. Others thinking that this is a plague. We've got to fix this. And yet give us the numbers. How how much of this is going on? What what really how, how much harassment exists out there? Harassment is a tough one to estimate. We don't have any large scale national studies of sexual harassment. But you can put together some studies, and some are large, uh, and see that 
uh, about two-thirds of women in the workplace report having experienced some form of harassment. Mm. Uh, until last year, I was, and this is going to sound crazy because of the work I do, but I was really under the impression that the academy had really addressed the problem of graduate student and faculty sexual harassment. Yet, um, by virtue of a campus climate survey, uh, Professor Jennifer Fried out at the University of Oregon found that 60% of female graduate students reported sexual harassment by faculty members. 60%? Wow. 60%. Now, I mean, that tells us this is a pervasive yeah long-standing problem in our society. And while we're in a moment, I think I, I agree with you completely, we're in a moment of education and sorting out where these terms overlap, where they don't overlap, whether it matters whether they overlap mm-hmm. or not. Right, right. Um, that the moment, I hope that it lasts long enough to do education, but education is not the same as prevention. Mm. Talk about that. Well, we can educate people about what behaviors constitute sexual harassment. And sometimes that's frustrating because the response is, oh, you can't say anything anymore, or oh, you can't do anything anymore. Well, you know, (laughs) we learn a rule in kindergarten, which is keep your hands to yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It seems like that might apply in the workplace. It it is not um, learning about uh, what you can and can't do about in the workplace is, is it's not going to chill the workplace. If anything, it may make it a more inclusive and welcoming environment because people will feel safe. And uh, it's about respecting diverse views of you know, people's personal space, boundary issues, uh, creating a climate where someone can say, please don't do that. No, please stop. Making sure an HR company uh, takes complaints seriously. So that's all education. But these behaviors are rooted in the way we socialize our children. And uh, psychology talks about socializing agents. Well, those agents may be parents. They are the media. They're toys. They're the education system. They are you know, everything that tells kids how they should behave and how they should act toward anyone. And the specific kind of socialization we're really talking about here is sexual socialization, how we interact with members of the opposite sex. Now, I'm not suggesting at all that this is just a heterosexual problem. Right. Um, This crosses all sorts of boundaries. Um, But I believe, and many people have the same belief, that we have to start addressing gender roles and sexual socialization at a very early age. I'm talking about pre-kindergarten. And we have to have fundamental change in terms of how we view men and women's bodies. We have to have change in industries that portray women as sexual objects. Uh, We have to have a change in how we uh, socialize young boys to be masculine. There are so many positive qualities of masculinity. Um, there are some that aren't so positive. Right. And we should really emphasize 
those that are uh, the positive ones and um, de-emphasize those that are negative. And we also, I mean, we're stuck in this binary of talking about femininity and masculinity because our imaginations are so limited. (laughs) But in reality, you know, men and women can embrace the same kinds of gender roles. And by roles, I mean behavior that you do that tells yourself and other people how you identify yourself. Hmm. I mean, that, so we can, that's it. Because that also, that, that gets to then changing the socialization changes uh, future, it becomes future prevention. It becomes a absolutely. new standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, if we can think broadly enough about this, this isn't a, a separate problem from bullying on the playground. It's not a separate problem, really, from domestic violence. And if you read today's New York Times, the story about the complicity machine that uh, kept Harvey Weinstein from, well, kept him going, kept this pattern of horrendous um, assault going, uh, I see a lot of parallels with trafficking, Mm. Sexual slave trafficking, you know that takes a whole system to keep going and like a and a and governing paradigm of how we view humans exactly yeah exactly and and who's on top yeah, and some people will also say that a part of prevention is fundamental equality between men and women, and we still don't have that. Still working on that, aren't we? And and you can see exactly. it, I mean, in a way, uh, again, we're speaking with Sarah L. Cook, uh, Dr. Sarah L. Cook, who's a Ph.D. and a professor of psychology at Georgia State University. She's talking to us about how we, how we talk about sexual assault and harassment and how it matters. As part of the socialization process, you, you brought up in your article the fact that we use terms that that diminish it by by like terming it Weinsteining, Weinsteining, or um, the Weinstein effect, and uh, just just by terming it or calling it that, all of a sudden we've we've made it more of a mockery than something that's that's as serious as it is. Exactly, and that's why I'm so glad this Me Too movement has just been named Person of the Year. Yeah, how wonderful. Because it puts the focus back on, um, back on the victim. I, I, it's not that I don't want there to be focus on the perpetrator, but uh, you're, you're right. I, what I wrote is that these kind of terms demean what has really happened to women, and we have to use the word. Frankly, um, when Bar- President Barack Obama announced the White House Task Force for Keeping Students Safe from Sexual Assault on College Campuses, mm. and he used the word rape, I, my jaw dropped. I thought, I can't believe I heard a president of the United States utter the word rape in public. Yeah. That's a hard word to talk about in public. It's been much easier to talk about domestic violence than it has been to talk about sexual assault and rape because... Our sexual scripts, the way we uh, believe that men and women behave in sexual uh, encounters, really blurs the line, really sets up um, instances where it's so easy to see where the line can be crossed and someone can feel coerced. And someone else may think, I didn't coerce, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm supposed to keep trying. Yeah. Uh, And... um, uh, so, 
because we don't want to talk about it, we come up with these other terms that make it easier to talk about. Uh, and so we can avoid the word rape and sexual assault. You know, I've had the experience of saying to someone, um, you know, Weinstein, I think, locked the doors and women described, I'm not sure who, but women described trying to escape through a bathroom window. There's mm. a, the story that Lauer um, had a, a button he could press to lock the yeah. door. Well, yeah. I think that sounds like kidnapping. No, exactly. That's what I was and yeah, and, and yeah, you're and and holding somebody against their will. I mean, right? Th- these are. I, I guess that's the thing is that we haven't. It, it it's kind of just been naughty, naughty locker room air quote talk. Um, right. But instead, it's. I mean, these are these are crimes. These are felonies. Exactly. Is is and and I guess by having the Me Too movement, um, do we? We have more and more stories out there. Do, do you sense that they're going to turn into criminal acts or is there just not enough evidence? And I mean, is is legally, is it set against the victim where it's harder for them to prove a case? Especially, well, I guess, so many years after the fact. Right. In many of these situations, I'm sure the statute of limitations has expired. But in other cases, it may not have. And um, it is very difficult to successfully prosecute rape and sexual assault uh, because of the the stereotypical views that people hold. Um, You know, one thing that's interesting is that in on campuses, often there is alcohol involved. And that makes things very difficult. Memories are compromised and people quite aren't quite sure how to assign responsibility when there's alcohol involved. But here we have cases in the workplace where presumably people are not drinking alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. So, you know, we don't have that problem uh, to deal with. Um, but uh, it will be difficult uh, to try these cases. Um, just as we saw with uh, the women in, in Cosby's case, their character will be judged. Their behavior will be judged. People will ask questions. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I'll share with you uh, that I have been a victim uh, of a near-fatal sexual assault. Mm. I was in my own home, and uh, people asked me, well, weren't your doors locked? No, oh, boy. And so I often say to people, if you're going to ask someone who was just in her own home, weren't your doors locked? Oh. Then why are we surprised when people say to uh, the women who may have met Weinstein at a, at a hotel room, well, why would you go to yeah. a hotel room? What were you why wearing? Why you go meet right. in some place where there's a bed? You know. Oh. Um, so they, they will be questioned ad nauseum, and many probably are satisfied that this is out in the open and they may not need to pursue criminal charges or civil charges and others may decide. And it'll be different, you know, depending on civil or criminal. Um, I know more about criminal law and less about the um, statutes or what the limitations are in civil cases, but uh, it, it will be difficult. But it sounds like police in several jurisdictions are looking very uh, um, 
astutely, I would say, yeah. into Weinstein's behavior. I don't know about many of the others. You know, it's frankly, it's hard to keep up. Is um, We've only got a couple more minutes. What can we do? I, the, the, it seems like the Me Too movement has created kind of this this uh, this wonderful, I think, wave of of strength and um, and giving courage to people and a voice to to feel strong enough to do it um, and to bring out these accusations. Do you, is there a way we can make it easier for women to make uh, their their claim earlier or their case or feel safer if something has happened? What can we do in our own world, in our own offices, in our own families to make sure we are making it, we're helping to protect? Well, I think in the next 6 to 12 months, the most important thing is to watch against backlash against this movement. Uh, And there will be backlash. And I think that's one critical thing, and and to fight against that backlash. Um, And what I mean by that is people saying, this is exactly what you said before, oh, this is... um, this is overrated. These things aren't really bad things that happen to women, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I think we need to guard against that. And then second, I think we, you know, there's, there are a lot of um, new ideas about how to prevent uh, sexual assault in colleges, and they're being studied and evaluated. Um, we have all these trainings and sexual harassment trainings by human resource departments, but we really don't know if any of those work. So we really need um, uh, to, we can't depend on those things. And we need to start within our families and talking about basic respect for people. Um, I have two boys, Matt, and, uh, you know, they wrestle. And very early on I said, now, kids, you know, you can wrestle, and but as soon as one of you says don't or stop or I don't want to do this anymore, it's over. We're done. It, we're done, right? And that is one small way. And, and they do that. I hear them say, "Hey, I said stop," and Mom said, "We oh. <laughs> stop. Yeah. They got to stop." And I thought, "Oh, there's one small victory," but it's even more than that. But that's at least teaching them to listen to another human being and. And, and take the cue. Respond, yeah. right, to what someone wants. You know, there are other w- ways we do things. You know, we ask our kids to go hug relatives or people that they may feel uncomfortable doing. That doesn't give them any sense that their body is their own. Mm-hmm. And we need to instill that sense in, in our children that their body is their own and that they have control over it and rights to it, and no one else does. Well, and then we need to instill that they don't have rights to anyone else's body, uh, absolute rights to anyone else's body. And I think men in particular can confront sexist comments and jokes and remarks in the workplace and say, you know, hey, uh, that, you know, that, that was really rude and made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, because take- it's going to have to be the people in the power to confront those kinds of behaviors and comments. I agree. And maybe and push those conversations Take those stands and lead. I mean, that's really what leadership is. Sarah L. Cook, thank you so much for your great insight. Uh, Wonderful work you're also doing. I so appreciate uh, just your work in emergency rooms uh, as a rape companion, social worker, advocate. Um, Really helpful, I think, to all of us to better understand what part we play in this and what thoughts we have. Yeah, go, Go kiss grandpa. Kiss him. I mean, it's interesting. We we push a lot of stuff that might be teaching, you know, 
and taking away some freedom, some agency without even knowing it. Great insight. We'll continue the journey, folks, doing what we can to better understand the world we live in. This is The Matt Townsend Show. you boy you too stupid to do what your coach tells you because life doesn't come with a handbook you need a coach here's dr matt and his coaching corner play ball play ball great insight uh from sarah cook when i think about it and again i don't you you don't want to be extreme in any of this there's moderation in what we're learning but part of what we're learning is a lot of us don't ever question how we think right how would you question how you think except with your thinking And so unless we bring on guests and talk to people and have uh, this Me Too movement, um, we may not ever question some of our thinking. But you you may yourself have been told by your mom or dad, hey, go go kiss grandma goodbye. Go kiss grandpa. And you're like, I don't want to. I mean, I remember even going to a funeral with my mom saying, just just touch, touch their hand, touch their hand. And I'm thinking, no, that person's dead. Don't want to touch them. But... There's little – remember, inside of every one of us as human beings, there's, there's an agent. There's this free agent, this, this agency that exists inside of us. And we've got to always honor that even in our children and not compel them to do something that they just don't feel they want to do. Because you can. I'm not saying you can't. You can. But there's a consequence. And then all of a sudden, you, you might start – Having this feeling that, you, like uh, Sarah was bringing up, your body isn't your body. You don't have a choice to not kiss somebody. You don't have a choice to not hug somebody. And that down the road could have some big repercussions. You don't have a choice if you have a boyfriend and the boyfriend wants to do things. You may feel like you don't have a choice because you don't, because you didn't and you haven't. So, and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean we can't kiss our and hug our grandkids. It just means we've got to find a way to do it where it's their will, it's their idea, it's they're interested. I notice sometimes if I just if I just get down on my knees and put my arms out, my granddaughter naturally just runs to me, and then it's a choice, even a choice at two years old, versus compulsory means, right? And versus having to compel somebody. It usually, it just won't work if we have to keep compelling. And uh, there's something very valuable, about I think, about the conversations we're having, at least in getting our brains to stretch, our minds to open up. So a little hope. I think there's hope. Don't immediately reject these ideas. Don't immediately just accept them. Just start learning and thinking about your own life. That's the goal of the show. Just stretch our heads a bit. We'll continue the journey straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. You know, uh, Jeff has been doing some incredible research, uh, looked up a a new trailer that's out that involves President Trump. Yeah. You know how he just made the announcement that he's going to be shrinking the uh, Bears Ears and Grand Staircase monuments. Monuments. So believe it or not, there's already a movie trailer out about this, and it's kind of in the same vein of some of the the old uh, family comedies of the 90s. Excellent. And uh, yeah, just take a listen to this. President Trump was hard at work on his new health care reform plan. Everybody's going to be taken care of much better than they're taken care of now. But things didn't go according to plan. I will not vote 
for this bill as it is today. So he turned his focus to two national monuments. Bears ears and Grand Staircase Escalante. Donald, what did you do? I shrunk the monuments. What? Honey, I shrunk the monuments. Coming soon to Utah. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, along with Jeff and Terry. The gang's all gathered, doing what we can to, to help you uh, shine some light on life. Life is a really difficult thing. You may have noticed. I did last night. I I thought of both of you mm. when I was up at, what time was it? Uh, one, I think, in the morning, rocking my grandbaby back to bed. Wow. I thought of you two must be doing that regularly. Nope. Nope, not Getting at all. Z's. Wow. It's the poor wife that has to deal with all that. Deal? Both of my children from what? just weeks old started sleeping eight hours a night. Wow. Benadryl. No. The great blessings of Benadryl. <laughs> Just let them Did figure they it really? out. That's a great gift. And now, like, my six-year-old has yet to get out of his bed by himself. Meaning you have to say, get out of bed. He just sits there and waits for you. You must have really put the fear in him. No, he just decided, I'm, I, I, you ask, and he goes, well, I have to wait till you say. And I go, no, you don't. Get out of bed. And he still Holy won't do it. Holy cow. So I get on our little intercom through our baby monitor and you say, You may now get, get up. Yeah, and he goes, okay. And he comes running downstairs. So. But So do you have to do that like on Saturdays? Mm-hmm. See, our kids would get up and go turn on the TV and watch cartoons. Yeah. He knows how to do that, but he won't. He just waits. What a, what a wonderfully obedient child. And then I wake him up with some song off YouTube played over the intercom oh how neat yeah it's great <laughs> your wake-up call is are, are your children that obedient jeffrey they uh have no problem getting up at all hours of the night and coming in and sleeping in our bed do they do that yeah. we usually I mean, they, have, they don't have too much of a problem getting into bed because by the end of the day they're just totally wiped out but i think there's this i there's this mindset of we're missing something. Yeah. If we're not up at 6 in the morning, we're missing out Child on all FOMO. the fun. Child FOMO. Yeah. Uh, do your children ever come just stand and look at you and like... <sighs> it happened once. <sighs> Breathe on your face. And my wife freaked out, which then caused my daughter to freak out. Oh, that's always fun at 3 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. having that last night. And I thought to myself, aha, this is why I'm a grandparent. Because I haven't had to do this for years. I used to always get up with the kids. That was kind of my – I have this – I don't want to brag, but I'm kind of a child whisperer. I have a way mm. of – I have a way of just putting them back to sleep. It's beautiful. Do you turn your show on? I put my show on and they just like – that was that – was my show. It's our show. So You're here yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And so they're always like, Dad, how come How come everybody laughs at Jeff's jokes that aren't funny, but mm-hmm. no one ever laughs at your jokes that are hilarious? That's what my kids say all the time to me. Your audience has a sophisticated palate. Yeah. That's a good point. Hmm. The only thing that would make it worse, other than my daughter standing there and creeping us out, she likes to go around just speaking gibberish and she's pretending like she's speaking Spanish. No, she's 18, right? No, she's six or oh, okay. five. She's five. Yeah. So just imagine her standing there waking you up with, 
That would be freaky. She's speaking in tongues. That's, that is freaky. Aren't kids the cutest? Really Except are. at 2 in the morning yeah. when they're standing right but, next and to you. I was, it's funny because I always get a little frustrated, but this is the joy of parenting. Because I had to climb stairs to go up and get him, get her. But he's she's in the room of my son, so my son's in there, standing over her too. Hmm. And then you, I held her. She was crying. I rocked her back to sleep. Turned back on the ocean sounds, and she went to sleep. And then I've succeeded. And I put her down. And when I put her down, I have nothing but immense love. Don't don't do that sound while we're driving. People are driving right now. <laughs> Sounds like the weather stripping in the in the room here is bad. <laughs> Somebody better fix the weather we're stripping. Leaking atmosphere. Yeah, that's not good. We got uh, we got a lot to cover today. Uh, Enid Green Mickelson will be joining us, and uh, I love having Enid on the show. She um, was a congresswoman and has an incredible story of weird, like it, it was sexual harassment by a fellow congressperson. Congressman, yeah, and we'll let her characterize it. Yeah, and she, she, it's just, it's just weird, and she, and and the person she won't, she's very, she's very, you know, good about it. But there's weird stuff going on yeah. on them, their hills. Uh, so we will, um, we'll be talking to her coming up. Also, um, we'll do, of course, empty news, and our prayers again. And now we're going out with, to California again. Wildfires are burning. It's it's a it's just a big tinderbox. Yeah. California's a burning. They go through these every few years, but I mean the Santa Ana winds, something sparks. This is a big one though. This is a big one. And that's really big. That's coming from the guy. I'm going to California in March. Really? No, 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 no. In February for a little uh little anniversary party. Disney? Probably. Yeah. Wow. Just me and the missus. It's going to be so romantic. I'm, we're going to share a turkey leg. In Disneyland. <laughs> Which, oddly, tastes more like ham than turkey. Does it? Yeah. Interesting. That you, is odd. You can get a Dole Whip <gasps> and a turkey leg. Yeah. You're it's the one that brings up the Dole Whip all the time. It's an entire meal, yeah. My wife would be a huge advocate for you getting the corn dog. She said she doesn't really like corn dogs, but this is the best corn dog you'll find really? anywhere. I, I actually like corn dogs because why, Terry? They're on a stick. Oh, and we always do the Iowa Fair, and at the Iowa Fair, everything everything's on a stick. They try. You can get anything you want, and every at the po- Iowa Fair on a stick. Every politician rolls in there is counseled by all of their staff: do not get anything on a stick. It makes for <laughs> horrible photos, <laughs> and they all do it. And then they're shoving. <laughs> yeah, it never looks good. No, or get a sourdough bread bowl with mm. clam chowder or stew in it. I'm only going to be there one day. Eat it all. But I'm thinking I'm just going to try – I'm we're going to do everything at the park. 10,000 calories. Go. I'm we gonna, haven't even I'm gotten a, to I'm the – That's four Trump meals. Four Trump meals. Churros. Oh, churros. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good already. And I'll dip it in a Dole Whip. There you go. Mm. Talk about sugar bomb. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you only live once, man. <sighs> I can hardly wait. And that day you may just live that once. Maybe I'll be there two days. I really want to do the show from there. So great. I'm wondering, can you figure out if I can do the show by myself there? No, I think you'd have to take us with you. And that we'd, of course, have to take our families. 
Yeah. So okay, and so then so none of get that's to work. Get to work on this. It'd be a business expense because of the work we would be doing. Right. But right. I'm just wondering if there's a way that I could call in and do the show from there. It would require you taking uh, electronic equipment. Yeah, I'll do it. To California. I'll do it. Figuring out how to plug it in without calling me like minutes before we're supposed to go on the air and go, it's not working. Well, yeah, we could practice. Yeah. Take me. Don't invite Shik Shumway, who's liable yeah, to no, I can't do the report on a roller coaster where you can't hear anything. Yeah, Shik, Shik's not my friend, I don't think. We never seem to get anything together with Schick. Schick's one of our great reporters, supposedly, but he's never actually done a great report. So, wow. I mean, I mean that in the best way possible. But he keeps trying. Yeah, that's the neat thing. The guy tries. Never gives up. Super, super willing to keep trying. Uh, we'll, we'll get to all of this, folks. Um, let's get to the headlines, Terry. What else should we be paying attention to out there in Newsland? One day after President Trump officially endorsed the accused uh, child harassment King, I guess you could call him. I'm not sure. Roy Moore in Alabama's U.S. Senate race. The uh, Democratic nominee absolutely tore into the ex-judge after months of remaining relatively even-handed in contrast to Moore's bizarre antics, including toting a rifle on stage. Doug Jones told a crowd Tuesday afternoon, when you see me with a gun, I'll be climbing in and out of a deer blind, not prancing around on stage in a cowboy suit. He emphasized that Moore, who was twice removed from office as an Alabama State Supreme Court justice, has never, ever served our state with honor. Everything he's done, he's ended up ending with dishonor. And Jones concluded by going straight for the jugular on the bevy of accusations that Moore engaged in sexual misconduct with underage girls when he was in his 30s. It was men who hurt little girls should go to jail, not to the United States Senate. Mm, Wow. That line was also an apparent reference to the fact that Jones prosecuted two Ku Klux Klan members who killed four young black girls in a 1963 church bombing. But he's not tough on crime. Ah. That's the line you're getting, right? Yeah. So this is this Alabama Senate race. December 12th will be the... Teeting up, isn't it? And it just kind of gets crazier and crazier every day. Oh, boy. This is... When is this over? 12th. (laughs) Hold on. I guess it's not over there. Just the beginning of the end is over then. Well, depending on who wins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, five Native American tribes filed a lawsuit Monday after President Trump announced his plans to significantly shrink the Bears Ears National Monument. The Hopi, Zuni, Ute, Mountain Ute, and Navajo Nations, also the Ute Indian tribes, originally pushed for the monument design or designation, and now representatives are arguing that Trump does not have the authority to shrink the site. They declared war on us uh, today, said Shawnee Chaposi, member of the Ute Indian Tribe Business Committee. If they think we're not prepared to protect it, they're kidding themselves. Environmental and conservative organizations, including the Wilderness Society, the Natural Resource Defense Council, and the Sierra Club are also suing Trump and Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke for shrinking Utah's Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. Wow, so the tribes are against it. Mm. Uh, a lot of the the people are for it. Uh, uh, the big companies that are the outdoor kind of companies, Patagonia, those companies are going to fight it in other ways. Right. Seems like uh, just same old battle and many, over many, Western many lands. Many opinions feel like the Antiquities Act, which is what presidents use to designate yeah. national monuments. There is no part of that that talks about shrinking or eliminating Previous national monuments, right, just right. declaring national monuments. So there, there's some legal question as to whether a president can actually do this. But President Trump is saying that President Obama, President Clinton, they overreached, overreached mm-hmm. because the Antiquities Act is to take the least amount of property needed 
to create such a monument. And they took massive amounts. So we'll see. Hmm. Okay. This will continue in the courts for, you know, probably the next five years. Or unless until the next president comes in and then by executive order does the exact same thing President Trump has done. Hmm. Okay, just checking. There's a pattern. Doctors say the victims of the attacks on U.S. diplomatic personnel in Cuba are showing unprecedented physical changes to their brains. This is a report out of the Associated Press. Oh, no. The new findings cast further doubt on their theories uh, that whether that whatever was used to harm the Americans was a sonic device. Medical tests reportedly indicate the Americans significantly had changes to their white matter tracks that enable parts of the brain to communicate. Acoustic waves have never before been shown to alter a brain's white matter tracks, says Columbia University biomedical engineer Eliza uh, Kafugu, who is not involved in the investigation. Yeah, I know. The AP said doctors are treating the case as a never-before-seen abnormalities. The patients developing hearing, vision, balance, and memory damage while on assignment in Havana have reported hearing strange high-pitched sounds for months. It is still unclear how the white matter change... Uh, relates to other neurological symptoms experienced by the diplomats. The Cuban government has denied any involvement in the attack. So they're not getting better, but we don't understand that because our devices, they would get better after. It would be temporary, and it wouldn't affect, they're saying, the white matter if it was Man. a sonic device. So then if it wasn't that, what was it? Ghosts. Was it chemicals? It was it's, ghosts. It's really strange. Mm-hmm. And there was a similar situation in an embassy in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Last is- week, so they're trying to figure out how all these things, if they're connected or how that works. So, wow. have you heard of uh, finally? Have you heard of Krampus, Matt? Uh, isn't that um, Krampus? Excuse me. Yeah, uh, Krampus Garolitis, uh, tennis player. No. Um, hmm. Krampus. It's when you grab your side of your your belly and you're like, oh, me got Krampus. No, that's not that's not it either. So uh, mm-hmm. while good little girls and boys eagerly anticipate Christmas, yeah. naughty children are instead dreading Krampus knot, the night which Saint Nicholas's wicked counterpart Krampus <laughs> comes to town. <laughs> Krampus is described as a half goat. Half demon who covered in hair has cloven hooves and goat horns and is frequently depicted as having fangs and long pointed tongue. I saw him at the big box store. <laughs> the, Krampus. the the hairy character carries a bundle of birch branches to swat naughty children. Krampus sometimes even kidnaps misbehaving children to uh wow. Let's just say the kids don't want to be caught by Krampus. It, it turns really bad yeah, for them, you get, it looks like. you get whipped. So this is all rooted in pre-Germanic lore. Krampus did not become associated with St. Nick until the 17th century. Now the two function as a yin-yang relationship and sometimes work together to reward or punish children. Unlike North American versions of Santa Claus, St. Nicholas does not give uh, does not give naughty kill- children uh, coal. That responsibility is assigned to Krampus. Well... Hold it. They're not working together. My Santa... Apparently, well, no. Old St. Nick would never let Krampus Garolitis in. In Germany, that's how St. Nicholas works. Come on, Germans. It takes place December 5th, which was last night. The uh, Krampus visits homes and businesses to uh, punish children who have misbehaved. Sometimes he and St. Nick work together, visiting homes to reward some and punish others during the same visit. What? So, like, your brother would get something horrible and and because he was bad and you get something good because you know no one honestly Nicholas liked you no wonder our world is messed up so in many communities the holidays become an elaborate parade in which people walk through the streets dressed like krampus or his little helpers 
right? And they go back to the the a half goat, half demon covered in hairs. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of scary. Time honored tradition by many Europeans exchange uh, Krampus cards, <laughs> which I'll usually t- feature humorous poems, messages, and rhymes. See, now here's a photo. Doesn't that look fun? Yeah, Krampus is mess. Isn't he's now, got a baby in a basket. Isn't Krampus what you used to call your ornery old uncle? Yeah. He's such a Krampus. He said, get off my back, Krampus. Now, yeah. so this is, you know, how holidays are celebrated around the world. Uh, last year with all the immigration from, uh, you know, Middle Eastern uh, countries to Europe, mm-hmm. they're taking people in in Germany as refugees, and they're in these small towns, and then on December 5th, all of a sudden, bonfires get lit at night, and people are walking through the streets dressed as Krampus, and they had to, before this, go to all the refugees and say, okay, okay. here's what's going on. Just settle down. You're going to think we're strange, but uh, we have this weird demon-like devil horned thing yeah. that comes out and may swat you with we branches. you just left a war-torn country. You're probably a little rattled in a new place. You don't know the language. <laughs> Can you imagine? And this what scary thing's going to be out in the street looking just, for children. Don't worry about it. It's, it's just kind of one of these Christian things we celebrate, and uh, <laughs> you may you may have a guy start beating you with a twig, but don't worry about it. Can you imagine? Nuts. You wouldn't. You're like, I want to go back. And to it's the war. it's scary. The, if you look online, there's photos. They're gathered around a bonfire, and there's all these people dressed in these scary masks, and they're all holding mm-hmm. sticks, and you're just like. You know, it's it's a wonderfully magic time of year. That's really yeah, what it feels like. Nothing, nothing brings <laughs> not like the holidays. Nothing brings peace to this earth more than little Krampus. There are a handful of movies that you guys could watch as a family that feature Krampus, including the film Krampus why, from just why, a couple years back. Why would we want to do that? Well, it's PG thirteen. Okay, um, is that the only? Well, and there's just uh, yeah. there are a lot of Christmas movies that come out every year, and most of them are mm-hmm. not. That good. Yep. Yeah. This one was just not as bad, or not, it wasn't as good as you hoped it would be, yeah. but it was still watchable. But it seems like to me, I just, I'm not in the mood for violence. Scary Christmas. Yeah. I'm not yeah. in the mood for violent, scary, scream-like Christmases. You're not, you're not in with the whole Die Hard as a Christmas movie? N- no. Okay. <laughs> I but, see it But every... it's at a Christmas party, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no? Right. We're already experiencing Die Hard. I know. We don't need to watch it. So my wife spoiled one of the Christmas gifts I was going to give her last night. What one? Which one? So I try to do the 12 days of Christmas for her every year. It was, a, vac- it was a vacuum, Matt. No, 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 no. One of You're going to love this. One of the Christmas gifts that I was going to give her was that I was going to watch the film White Christmas with her. Oh. That was going to be my gift to her, that I would sit through it. Yeah. And not make any comments. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I come home from a movie last night, and she's at the tail end of it. Oh. So. Blown. Now I don't have to watch it. Well, now you don't get to I mean, to now I it. don't get to give her that gift. So what are you going to give her instead? I don't know. Maybe I'll watch North and South on Netflix or Poldark no. or something. You know what you could do? Buy her some vacuum bags. Yeah. Hmm. That ought to make her really happy. Be a nice accessory with a new vacuum bag. Yeah, especially it. like on the 11th day of Christmas. When you give her the vacuum. Shh. Oh, Shh. did she not know? Shh. We may have we may have blown that one. We're sorry. She's not listening. How do you know? She only listens to my show. <laughs> well. Hmm. 
Good, that may be all she has to listen to soon. <sighs> hey, up next, we're going to be talking with Enid Green Mickelson about uh, harassment, sexual harassment in the House of Representatives. She's been there. She's served there. I think one of the, uh, the third female um, there, I believe, in the House of Representatives. Amazing insight straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Today in our country, many individuals in Hollywood and on Capitol Hill are coming forward to report sexual misconduct that has been going on for years now. Politics in particular are known to have a culture of sexual harassment. How can we change this culture? Well, here to help us at least understand it and uh, and know really what's going on is Enid Green Mickelson, who was the third uh, woman and first Republican female ever elected to Congress from Utah. She's here today to share with us her experience in the House of Representatives, uh, especially when it comes to this this uh, boy, this this controversial subject of sexual harassment. And she's going to, I think, uh, hopefully, Enid, please help us understand how we how we make it through this whole sexual harassment uh, time of political world. Enid, welcome to the program. Thanks, Matt. I'm happy to be here. I love having you on. And um, the oh, minute this please. came out, I'm like, okay, we got to get Enid because <laughs> uh, you you yourself have had a pretty interesting experience. Um, and I'll let you tell it from your perspective you walk on to the floor and you have your own version of sexual misconduct uh, taken out on you. Yeah, and, and Matt, I want to be careful because it, my situation was, was nothing like the horror that some women have gone through. Mm, yeah. You know, this was in a public place with everyone watching. This was a man who, who thought he was being friendly. But, but what had happened, for those of your listeners who haven't heard, um, is, you know, I walk on the floor of the House, it's late at night, we're having a late night voting session where we're, you know, voting every hour or so, and it's the wee hours, and um, I, I'm new to Congress, I see two individuals that I know sitting together down toward the front of the chamber, and I thought, well, I'll go over and say hello, and so I walk over, and, and one of them immediately got up and said hello, and before I knew it, he kissed me on the lips. Hmm? And yeah. that is so and weird. It, and it was just, I know. And it was just, you know, a, like yeah. a, a peck. Yeah. It wasn't some big, long kiss. Right. And I could smell alcohol on his breath. And and so I, I kind of walked up the center, you know, got away, you know, just mumbled something about nice to see you or something. And I got to go. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mommy. <laughs> and and. And said something to another um, woman who was a member of Congress, and she said, "Uh, you know, th- th- this just happened." And and she just said, "Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> you just can't get too close to him when we're working late at night." And she proceeded to tell me that these two individuals um, who'd been in Congress for a very long time, and and they've passed away now. And, that's why I haven't wanted to publicly yeah. identify him because I know he didn't mean to be offensive. He thought he was being friendly, um, but 
but so she just said, yeah, you know, just don't get close to him if we're working late. Oh, because wow. Because that's how he says hello to everyone. Yeah. Do, and, <laughs> what, do, then what? Do you just say, oh, okay, I'll just mark that down for a rule? Well, no, that's kind of what I did. Yeah, you to have to, right? With you. Stay safe. Right, because I thought, I just, you know, I don't want it to happen again. You know, and, and I've thought about it a lot in the context of all of these women coming forward. And it, it's been interesting to me how some people have, you know, oh, no, he was terrible. He, you know, you should have done more on and on and on versus, you know, I look at some of the things that some of these other women have experienced and they're so much more severe. And, you know, I personally come to believe in looking at all this, there's kind of a spectrum of behavior and not that any of it's okay, but there are different levels of seriousness. And I think there are different levels of what the punishment should be. But when you talk about fixing it, I think the only thing that's going to fix it is if we all have very public conversations about it, yeah. including, including women saying, this is what's okay with me. This is what is not. And, you know, some people draw that line differently. Some women are offended if you say, oh, that dress looks nice on you. Right. Some women think, well, no, that's just a compliment and that makes me feel good. Um, I, you know, I think part of the difficulty is that men have been, many men, not all, but many men and certainly in older generations have been clueless about what's offensive and what's not. Um, now you have more of an emphasis on, you know, this is not okay. And some men are saying, okay, I want to do the right thing. What is the right thing? Tell me. So I know what it is. So I, I think, but, but I think women are now feeling more, more comfortable in speaking out, but not everybody. I mean, we're talking about, look at, oh, gee, these great stars have come forward and, right. You know, there are literally millions of women who still experience this Do you think, and aren't coming forward. Is there a difference um, with what's going on with our elected leaders uh, versus what we see in Hollywood? Are, you know, people, movie stars are immediately fired from films, from really successful series. Um, we see Matt Lauer and, and uh, Charlie Rose immediately fired yeah. because of their allegations. And then we hear of allegations uh, with our political leaders, and it there, it's it becomes such a political process uh, that it doesn't seem like there is any immediate treatment. Like, I mean, Representative John Conyers yeah. had allegations, and he he now is retiring. But, um, it, but it, is it different? So many accusers coming forward. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it finally you had so many women from his own staff. Yeah, coming forward. Saying they, I mean, they, and, they, they've and, all and seen him in underwear. I mean, it's yeah. the, the, the stories you know, are he's crazy. His hand up their thigh. Yeah. But Matt, here's what is so appalling about that. He is the the ranking member, which means he's the lead Democrat on the House Justice Committee. Mm. So the people who are deciding what the laws are about sexual harassment, this guy's one of those leaders. He's the leader. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, how do you argue he doesn't know what the law is or not understand it? And here's the, the dirty secret about Congress, I believe. Yeah. Is that, you know, it, and let me just back up and say, all of sexual harassment is about power. Right. 
because, you know, you say it's all of these powerful men doing that. Well, why have they gotten away with it for so long? Because people were afraid to cross them. People were afraid if they reported something, it would end their career or they would be personally hurt in some way. Some of these women were threatened with, for, with their lives or their safety. So you have these powerful people that, that were insulated from the, the, the consequences of their conduct. And, you know, I mean, go back to Bill Clinton. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that now that the Clintons are out of power, suddenly we're having this, oh, maybe we didn't treat their their accusers correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, if Hillary had won, would we be having this conversation about Bill? I don't believe so, because people would be terrified. They say, I can't, I can't criticize Bill Clinton. You know, his wife's the president. Yeah, you can't, can't mess with that. Of the president. So, so you have these power imbalances. Well, in Congress, you have all of these powerful men and women, but who do they report to? If you're the head of a studio, you've still got shareholders. If you are putting out a movie, you still have, you know, a studio that has to make money off of it. Right, and a marketplace. Exactly. Yeah. You have all of these all of these factors that say if I don't do the right thing on this, I'm going to lose money and I'm going to lose it immediately, and then I'm going to get blackballed as an unsuccessful, you know, fill in the blank producer, director, actor, whatever it is. Mm. That doesn't happen in Congress. In Congress, you've got all of these mechanisms that, I mean, some of which I didn't know there was a slush fund to pay. I don't think think anybody knew. $17 million paid, I guess, over the last 15 or whatever years. And and my guess is that the only people who knew were the ones who were using it. Yeah. And I I guess I've heard even Mia Love and others are now saying, "Okay, no more, no more uh, hidden coffers to pay for these things." I mean, a is that something that will pass, and b is it something that will stop anything? No, it will pass. It it will pass because who wants to be the member of Congress that votes to keep it silent? (laughs) I mean, the closest thing this reminds me of is the House banking scandal of twenty-five years ago where suddenly everyone in the public finds out that members of Congress have been bouncing checks for years and years and years and in the thousands and thousands of dollars. And people go, wait a minute, that's not okay. This is the same thing where people say, now that I know about this, I'm outraged by this, and members of Congress will vote for it because they don't want to be the person that said, no, keep it quiet. So it it will pass. Is it going on a lot more? Than, than we know of? I mean, I'm assuming oh, it is. You've lived you know, there. I, I, I think it is. And Matt, I was kind of insulated because, frankly, I was one of the powerful people. Yeah. You know, I, if, if someone did something really egregious to me, you know, I, had, I could go to the media. I could make their lives miserable. So I was really kind of protected from that. But you see all of these young staffers who are afraid to, to oh, rock the boat. Yeah. And, and I think there is stuff going on that we don't know about. And, you know, we're seeing that it's coming out. I, I think members of Congress now, knowing that there's going to be no slush fund to protect them, and knowing that the public is outraged and we're kind of ferreting this stuff out, I think the behavior is going to be uh, much more circumspect going forward.
but, but because they're trying to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm hoping that having this conversation, you know, my, my attitude is sometimes you can't change hearts and minds, but you can change their behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And for some of these guys, they're not going to learn, but they might change their behavior. Does uh, what's going? Oh, in fact, you're the perfect one to ask this question to. Again, I'm speaking <laughs> with. I'm so glad you're here, Enid. Enid Green uh, Mickelson, who has has served in Congress and uh, for the for the Utah delegation, and um, also. Uh, was the chair of the 2016 Republican National Convention Site Selection Committee, also chair of the 2016 Convention Rules Committee. Okay, Enid, what, with what's going on with Roy Moore, now there's this – forever, everyone was like pushing – well, at first, they started pushing back against him. Mitch McConnell comes out. We can't have anybody like that in the Senate. Uh, Paul Ryan comes out. The president was silent. Everybody was pushing against it. The GOP National uh, Committee and uh, delegation weren't – they weren't going to go near the guy. Now, apparently, they need his vote. <laughs> they really need yeah. his vote. And so everybody's turning. Mitt Romney then comes out and says, look – the country's more valuable and important than the party or a vote. Um, what's your take on it? And and should we should this be should we be electing the moral leader or just the party line? The moral leader. You got the it. Party line. We we have to. I mean, how can how can I sit here and criticize Bill Clinton, which I've done for many years because I think he helped coarsened our social contract with each other. Yeah. We, we, we used to have ways that, that we thought people hate, not that they stuck to it. You know, John Kennedy had the whole press corps covering for him, but at least we weren't telling people, Oh no, this behavior is okay. As long as you're voting the right way. So, so to me, I think Roy Moore should have stepped down. I think there were a lot of people pressuring him to step down and that was the right thing to do. Well, he won't do it. I mean, this guy is so clueless that he still thinks it's okay that he dated teenagers yeah. as a 30 something year old district attorney and doesn't see what all the fuss about. What? What is He's the big not deal? He's not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to get it. Right. So I, I think what you're seeing is, is the political class in, in power saying, okay, we need his vote. But my, my bet is. That if he does win, and frankly now it looks like he's going to, yeah. which, yeah, the, the the only way that some of these people save their souls, I think, is to immediately start an ethics investigation, just as they've started one into um, Al Franken. Really? And, so, so they get him in, they get him elected, they get a vote or two passed while they're then investigating him, and then they censure him or... Whatever. Or throw them out. Throw them out. Or whatever, you know, whatever has to happen. Um, you but, know, I and uh, it, yeah, I, it, it makes me sick. But what it are we? Te- yeah, what are we teaching our kids that that this well, is? Why? I mean, th- th- this is this is this is th- these are alleged allegations of, about children at the time, right? This, this is. But 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 now, and I ha- but I have to disagree with Jeff Flake. Yeah, what do you think of that? From Arizona, who who gave a hundred dollars? Position a hundred dollars because his opponent is very pro-choice, mm-hmm. pro a lot of things that you and I would not feel comfortable with. You know, and and I had a mentor once that I said, "What do I do?" I, I asked this person, 
what do I do when the member of my own party I know is someone who is just not morally strong? Yeah. But I don't want to vote for someone whose policies will help promote the very things that I'm saying are wrong. And he just looked at me and he said, there have been races where I have written in someone else's name. So you just you, – you don't necessarily vote against them. You just – you vote for someone you can vote for. Yeah, and, and yet – and yet, Matt, I have to tell you, I voted for Donald Trump in the last election. You did it. And the reason I vote – I did it. And the reason – and I encouraged others to do it. And the reason that, that, that I did that, even though I was uncomfortable with some things about him, um, was that I said, do we do more good with him in the White House or with Hillary Clinton in the White House? And I looked at it as – and you know, people go crazy mm-hmm. for Hillary Clinton supporters when they say you can't make – moral equivalency between the two of them. Well, you know, the the history is still being written on what the Clintons really did during their time in power. And and to me, you start with the fact that their foundation that was clawing in hundreds of millions of dollars has suddenly gone dry. Well, gee, why did that happen? That's a whole nother show Hmm. and not maybe a relationship show. Yeah, right. But so I, I had to look at that and say, okay, so you continue to have this kind of behavior that gets covered up because, you know, you, her administration is never going to go look at any of the stuff that she did while she was Secretary of State? Or do you put in the guy who is, you know, it, it, yeah, I'm not comfortable with him on his personal life, but I'm not comfortable with her on hers either, and I think his policies will be better for the country. You know, some people made the choice to vote for Evan McMullen. Well, as someone who's been in politics for a long time, I knew our choice was between Clinton and Trump, and yeah. that was it. Yeah. You know, so I could make myself feel better by voting for McMullen, or I could say, no, I'm going to bite the bullet and vote for the person who I think does less harm to the country. I guess that's... And actually might do a little good. And that's politics, I guess, in the end, is... You know, you got to know what your your goal is. Is it value? Is it moral? Right. Is it is it just to get uh, an election? I mean, and this is where it gets so tangled. And but I, I I sit there and every day I still go home and my kids are like, so what's the deal with him, Dad? Didn't he date fourteen right. year olds? And I'm like, yeah, probably. I mean, it's alleged. <laughs> it's alleged, and there was a lot of them. And and I don't know. I, I it's a but you've experienced. I mean, what's crazy for me, Enid, is you're walking down the aisle and some guy comes up and kisses you, and you're like, "Congressman, hello." Um, well, and but you know, Matt, it, it, in the time that he was serving as a younger man in Congress, yeah, lots of people, lots of men and women greeted each other with a kiss on the lips. That's what they did. That's what they did. Wow, times have changed, eh? Well. Yeah, you know, but I will still tell you that I have a few friends that still unthinkingly do that. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, and and people in Utah would see that and just go, oh, my God. That's so strange. I mean, I lived in Argentina. We did it there, but sure, that was Argentina. Well, East Coast, it went on in the 70s and the 60s. Yeah. And, you know, that's what these people were used to. We don't do it anymore. And I think it's a good thing that we don't do it anymore. Right. For, for the sake of marriages and power and all of that kind of thing. But it's, it's, 
we are slowly learning, but it, we're not there yet. And most of this goes on in private, and that's yeah. what makes it so hard for the accusers to come forward, particularly where it's someone who has a position of power over them. What would you tell your kids, Enid? What I mean, your mom. What What do we? How do we teach our kids about morals and values and look at Washington? I mean, it seems like there's so many times it's at odds. It doesn't yeah. seem like this, you know, the, the place where we go and turn to for our values. So how do we how do we just help educate them and understand that this is the world and we can be better? Well, I think part of what we have to do is help our kids understand that people who serve in high positions, whether it's politics, whether it's business, whether it's entertainment, can no longer be looked to as our moral leaders, which is regrettable. Yeah. That we should look for those people and support them where we find them. But but not have our kids to the point where, you know, every time there's a fresh allegation, our kids are going, but, but these are supposed to be good people. I think we have to teach them that that they're not all good people and, and hold out to our kids examples where we can say, now, look, this is a person who lives with integrity, who actually lives the way they campaign you know, or lives the way they present themselves in public. And when some of those people fall, as they inevitably will, we have to talk with our kids, I think, very frankly about why people do that, you know, why they're not telling the truth, what they thought they could gain from covering it up, why it is not okay to do that. Um, but but these are going to be conversations, Matt, that, it's been going on for as long as people have been on this earth. Yeah. Where you have people hold themselves out as one thing and behave in a different way. And when they are in positions of power, they can genuinely hurt other people's lives. And I think that the, the best thing that we can teach our kids is to be strong and stand up for themselves, to go to people that they trust when they've had a problem like this, and then... We as individuals, we, we as parents and grandparents and people who've been around a little bit longer, we have to be willing to speak up about it. We have to be willing to say, this isn't right. Just like with Roy Moore, you know, we, we have to, you know, I'm a Republican. I did a lot of work for the party. I'm still saying Roy Moore should go. And, yeah. you know, we have to be willing to do that. So that gives our kids a roadmap of how to live their lives with integrity, even if people around them aren't doing the same. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful advice. Enid, thank you. And uh, thank you for your time, that you, that your, your sentence, uh, when you were sentenced to the House of Representatives. Ah, oh, great service you gave us. Uh, Enid, um, thanks again. Enid Green-Mickelson. And we're going to have her back. She's We just pick her brain. You know, she sat in the seats that we're talking about. She knows these people. And uh, she's giving us some pretty, uh, I think, honest insight about how to raise a family when it comes to all of these issues as well. We'll continue the journey straight ahead, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world.
Yes, folks, it's time for Empty News with our Empty News uh, correspondent, Jeffrey Liam Simpson. Jeffrey? The Empty News Team. First on the scene, fifth on facts. So we're going to do a couple now, and then we'll take a quick break and come back and do the other one. Do it. Uh, the first two... <sighs> you sound couple sad. Of people, no, one has to do with somebody being duped. The yeah. other has to do with somebody being thwarted. Mm. And then when we come back, we'll do the one that's that's uh, more uplifting and kind of a rags-to-riches story. I'd rather okay? be thwarted than duped. Really? Just if we're taking score. Wow. Yeah, I've been duped. and Well, I... thwarted involves yeah. you know legal involvement, and I don't know if I'd want that in my life. Okay. I've had that before. Um, there's this Milwaukee woman who was trying to get a head start on the Christmas shopping. And uh, there was this guy that was driving around her neighborhood. Uh, and on his car, he had a big sign that said Black Friday sale. Okay. Yeah. So what's the big deal? Well, red flags should be going up when there's just some random guy with a sign on his car driving around saying Black Friday sale. <laughs> You wouldn't want to buy these types of things from a guy out of a car. Right. Um, She thought she was buying an iPhone. Okay. Yeah. She asked the guy to to test out the phone to see if it worked. Um, She took it home after she noticed that it was working. And she was horrified to discover that when she opened up the iPhone box, yeah, it was just a box full of potatoes. Hmm. Like small potatoes, apparently? It must have been. Wow. But this is kind of a big potatoes yeah, type of a thing. She was duped. Yeah. So, uh, and this guy apparently had everything you could name. She says clothes, shoes, watches, purse, uh, purses, bundles of hair, DVDs, CDs. Hold on. Hold, 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 hold. Maybe he gets the hair from all of his victims. Hair bundles? Yeah, scalp. <laughs> He's a scalper. Um, so she paid $100 for this. Oh. She didn't and open it before then? I guess not. Come on. So, yeah, he. she asked him to call the phone, and he showed me the number, and I'm like, cool, it's legit. It's ringing. It's working. I want it. <laughs> to add insult to injury, the woman found an Android charger in the box. Oh, that guy. So good luck charging those potatoes yeah. with the Android no, you charger. Can't, no, you can't. You, need a, you totally need a, an yeah. Apple charger. One more quick one. Uh, if you're going to break into a vehicle, you, you typically want to make sure that it isn't an unmarked sheriff's. Office oh, vehicle. that's rule number one, right? Yeah, and that there aren't any deputies inside that vehicle. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to one Florida man. Uh, several homeowners caught a man on video as he tried to burglarize seven vehicles in one neighborhood. However, all the doors were locked and nothing was stolen. The next day, Stephen uh, Titland, 49, tried to burglarize an unmarked sheriff's office vehicle. At the time, the vehicle was occupied by the Strategic Targeted Area Response Team, who promptly arrested him. Analysts positively identified him as the same man from the previous night's attempted burglaries. Oh, come on, man. Come on! Think! Isn't that just the worst? When you want to break into a car and there's a an off-duty yeah. police officer there or he's in a car that's unmarked. That guy's got the worst luck. I think they should get a pass. This should have to be a marked vehicle. I, 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 I was just getting in. I was just coming to talk to you guys. Well, well, you know, you, you live and you learn. You live and you learn. That's what the empty news is for, folks, giving us uh, more and more information, apparently, about how to break into cars. Hmm. We'll have more up next. This is The Matt Townsend Show.
Life is hard, but uh, there's there's nothing that brings more hope than a good rag-to-riches story. And who better to help us with that uh, than our good friend Jeff. Jeff, enlighten us about the joy and hope of uh, going from poor to rich. So imagine that uh, you walk into a California auction room. You're totally broke and unemployed, and you're surviving on disability checks. Yeah. And then 77 seconds later, you walk out a millionaire. What? Yeah. This guy's name is Lauren uh, Kritzer, and it's all thanks to a blanket, believe it or not. So his life changed forever when he discovered that a forgotten old family heirloom, a Navajo... This thing? Yeah, it's a Navajo blanket from the 1800s. Oh, wow. That had just been sitting in his closet for seven years. It was actually worth $1.5 million. Unbelievable. And he got this just in time, too. He'd been scraping by living in a shack on the edge of California's Leona Valley, and he'd lost a leg after a near-fatal car accident. Mm. So the sale of the blanket gave me a new lease on life, Kritzer tells uh, CNBC Make It. He inherited the blanket initially because no one in his family realized its value. <laughs> when his grandmother died, he had gone to her house to collect the book she had promised him. Everything was already pillaged through by my sister and my mother. Of Thanks, course. mom and sister. Yeah. Take uh, everything. Listen to this. Though. The last bag in the house held two blankets. It was passed down from his great-grandmother, a softer Hudson, Hudson's Bay blanket, and the Navajo blanket his grandmother once laid out on the porch when her cat was having kittens. <laughs> I don't know who would want to blanket with, uh, hey. but I guess if it's worth $1.5 million, dollars, sure. I don't even like cats. So I'm here's allergic. The, uh, here's what the sister said. She grabbed the former, the uh, the Hudson's Bay blanket, and the latter fell to the floor I said, what are you going to do with that? She said, I don't want that that dirty old thing. So he said, I picked it up, put it in my closet, and there it sat for seven years. And here's what was going on through the sister's mind after that. Yeah, not so good. See? That's, that's a great example. Just Just do the best you can. Take what they give you. And then go trade it in for $1.5 million. Sometimes it's worth taking a blanket that kittens have given birth on. That's right. All cats aren't bad. <laughs> Great stuff. Interesting life, huh? And we're all living it. We're living it together. We'll continue the journey next hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to uh, BYU Radio. Dr. Matt here along with Terry and Jeff. I have just finished my first drawing of Jeffrey Liam Simpson. Uh, and Jeff, you seem underwhelmed by it. During the show, I uh, if you could see a picture of us, I just do nothing but look into Jeff's eyes all day. And you, you don't seem to like the well, picture I drew. put it up to the window for our uh, studio audience. Okay. Let me just uh, hold that up for you. Wow. I thought I got... I mean, I didn't get everything, and like I, I did the you know every other tooth is missing, which is not accurate. That's not accurate. But at that point, I wasn't drawing the hair, you. The hair is not. I don't have like a combed over look like that. The, the bloodshot kind of cross-eyed look. Uh-huh. 
Dead nailed on. it. Dead the totally bloodshot for sure. I'll give you that. The the kind of longer sideburns nailed it. What? The razor stubble. No, nailed I'm not it. I'm not Eric Glissheimer. Yeah. What, is it Glissheimer? Yeah. yeah. No. But he's got some well, he's got chops lamb going chops on. because yeah. yeah, I think he's got something going on at Christmas. Um that you I don't know. We're going to post that on our Twitter page at Dr. Matt show and uh we'll let the, we'll let everybody decide. It's my first drawing. I mean, I'm trying. I don't know if you know. Bob Ross is a hero of mine, and he's a. <laughs> but he does he does uh, painting, and and I don't have my my paints here, so I had to just go with the two markers I had. You have brown eyes. I don't have a brown marker. Um, I just have. So I gave you blue eyes. I guess the silver lining in this is that you cared enough to draw a picture of me. Yeah, and you you put it in front of your in yeah. front of your face so now that I you can, can look at it at all times. Yeah, now you can look at it and me, and it is a great way to describe it. The funny thing about it is, when I look at your picture, I can't tell if you're looking at me or Terry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of funny how that worked out. Uh, we've got a wonderful show today for you: um, how to stay healthy during the holidays. Hmm. And really, it's it's kind of more for you, Jeff. Um, have you have you restarted your your um, tournament of dieting? I'm doing the big one, the six-month one. When do you start that? I've already started. So I put, I plopped down 125 bucks. Did you really? So I've got to do it. Now, I think the what, the best way for me to avoid any of these holiday gifts, I think I just need to go uh, live in a shack for a month. Well, we've been telling you that for years. Just go straight Unabomber. Yeah. You go live okay. in a shack. Yeah. No nachos, no movie theater popcorn. Right. Just a shack, a couple of books, and, uh, you know. If you the, really want to lose some weight, you could also go to a shack, live in a shack, and then watch some shack movies from Shaquille O'Neal. That'll totally help you lose weight. Ooh, Shaq really? Fu. Shaq Fu. You Shaq can listen Fu. to his album. It'd be mm. great. So you're not a fan of the... Uh... I mean, I love Shaq. Oh, I, for some reason, I was thinking Shaft. No. With Richard Roundtree. No, no. Sha- well, you, and Shaquille you said, O'Neal. You said Samuel L. G- Did you say Samuel L. Jackson or Shaquille no. O'Neal? Shaquille O'Neal. Oh. Wow. Were you even listening to the show? No. You went like three was, different directions. The he minute we in- talk about his diet, he, he totally can't hear. I don't know what it is. Your picture, it kind of looks like his ears are plugged. He's got big like ears. Like there's some sort of debris. No, those are deep crevasses. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an incredible... Rendering, I like to call it. It's a mm. rendering. I called it a portrait. Yeah, on Twitter. So it's so, up there. If you want to see the photograph at Doctor Matt Show, looks good. Bloodshot eyes and everything. The lack of like shaving. Yep, that's totally legit. Absolutely. Yeah. Are we skirting the rules? Always skirting the rules. <sighs> it's so hard to be the only one here that shaves every other day. Every anyway. Day. We've got uh, we got a lot to talk about too. Um, we'll get into sports today as well because BYU Sports Nation's coming up. Correct. So we'll find some sports for you somewhere. I was trying to think what what happened. Like down, it, no, nothing really jumped out at me last down night sports wise. Yeah. No. No. And why are we listening to this music? This well, because you were talking about Shaft. Okay. Oh, is this Shaft? This Shaft. reminds me of Rockford Files. Yeah. Where he's driving in his, what was it, like a Camaro or whatever, yeah. down the 101. I always turn the channel when that show came on. I'm like, oh, it's an old show. Oh, I, I loved click. it. I never watched it, but I know James Garner was in it. Ah, oh, he was the bomb. Yeah. So was Richard Roundtree, although I've never seen this either. 
And those, those shows are hard to watch because everyone like rushes really fast and then stops at a payphone because you know. Yeah, you phones. can't you can't watch that with your kids now. No, they're, they're like totally no. confused. Why is he talking in a box? It, I really do want to find a payphone though, and I'm going to take all of my children to use it <laughs> because they've never done that. Didn't yeah. you say uh, was it Canada that makes millions of dollars yeah. off of payphones yeah. still? The it's United crazy. States does also because wow. there's there's still a small market for that type of service. It's difficult to not see a payphone and think there are a lot of shady dealings going on at that payphone. <laughs> <laughs> Something's going down. There. No one's tracking me on Why this Why is one? everybody standing around the payphone? And then the payphone always had the really short cord, mm-hmm. so you had to stand really close to the Or, or someone box. plays the trick, cuts the cord, so you go yeah. to grab the, the handle and, oh, man. Oh, come on. Moving on. Foiled uh, again. Yeah, foiled again. So much to so much to cover today. Uh, CNN is um, talking about the the wildfire. Um, now it's burning near the Los Angeles freeway. Ooh. So I can only imagine what happens when you shut down an LA freeway. In fact, let's go to Terry South and let him describe exactly what happens. Terry, get to the headlines. What's up? The intense Santa Ana winds fueling powerful Southern California wildfires have forced the evacuation of nearly 200,000 people across the region, some 50,000 acres affected by blazes. Governor Jerry Brown of California declared a state of emergency in Ventura County. More than 1,000 firefighters and others are trying to contain the fires that have destroyed at least 150 structures so far. This fire is very dangerous and spreading rapidly, but we'll continue to attack it with all we've got, Brown said. Meanwhile, a quickly growing wildfire near the Angeles National Forest, or Angeles, I'm not sure how they say that down there, uh, jumped from the 210 freeway, prompting the L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti to declare a state of emergency for the city. Up to uh, 150,000 people were evacuated from the area alone. We want to be really clear with folks. We have lost structures. We have not lost lives. Do not wait. Leave your homes, Garcetti said. We are erring on the side of abundance of caution for those evacuations because this wind could pick up and go a different direction. We simply don't know what this fire will do. Mm. Sounds like they're just trying to contain. Get out. Get out. Don't risk. It's not worth it. You've seen some of the videos. It's yeah. really kind of intense. I mean, and really, the free. I've, I've been... Um, on the freeways in LA when there was a fire and the fire was jumping the freeway mm-hmm. in the San Bernardino Valley when you're going down on I-15 I- unbelievably scary and mm. the smoke the smoke here is outrageous like right. you you gotta get out when you can get out because you may not be able to get out once you caught up in the smoke. you blocked. In other news, U.S. immigration agents are going after minor offenders rather than the hardened criminals that President Trump repeatedly warned about, a report released Tuesday by the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, illegal crossings into the U.S. have dropped and immigration arrests are up under the Trump administration, but the report suggests nearly three-quarters of those apprehensions have been for minor transgressions. Of the 143,000 immigration arrests made in fiscal year 2017, less than 25% of the people arrested had been convicted or charged with a violent crime. Although the ICE reports notes that 92% of the people arrested between January 20th and September 30th, 2017, did have some criminal convictions or charges against them, the top four criminal charges against those arrested were described as DUIs, dangerous drugs, immigration-related violations, or traffic offenses. 
Wow. In January, Trump signed an executive order to crack down on illegal immigration and declared that many aliens who illegally enter the United States present a significant threat to national security and public safety. Acting ICE Director Thomas Holman Holman indicated at a press conference Tuesday that the agency would have more collateral arrests of people who were not initially targeted in the ICE raids. So they go into a place, they're going after somebody who's bad, and they're surrounded by a bunch of other people who've done nothing except they're not here legally. Yeah. Hmm. They grab the whole room and send them home. Which is not what President Trump said they were going to do, but it's what they're doing. That was, yeah, the purpose yeah, I don't know. It's just more and more, and yeah. The International Olympic Committee on Tuesday announced that it had banned Russia from the 2018 Winter Olympic Games for having manipulated the game's anti-doping system. Individual athletes who test clean for performance-enhancing drugs, however, will be allowed to compete in the upcoming uh, South Korean Games as neutral individuals under the Olympic flag. The IOC previously sanctioned Russian Olympic Committee for its institutionalized doping system during the 2014 Sochi Olympics. Interesting. The the Sochi Olympics, the Russians get caught. Yeah. And it what is it was that four years ago I guess so now it's Mm -hmm. now no one can play, but they can still send athletes that are clean. They just can't play under the flag. The the Russian Olympic flag. Yeah. Wasn't there a year that uh, a couple of Russian figure skaters were stripped of their medal because they were caught cheating? Hmm. Does this sound familiar to anybody? No. There was there was the one that hit the one with on the leg with the... Those were two that's a US. Different one. Yeah. There's and a movie coming out about that, That's true. It's getting good reviews. Yeah. That'll be... I saw Tanya Harding and the lead actress playing her in the movie, really acting happy to be together. Margot Robbie. There you go. Really? Yeah. They don't understand the magnitude of that event. We'll see. Okay. And finally, General Motors is launching a new in-vehicle app named Marketplace that would allow drivers to pay for goods such as gasoline or donuts and schedule services through their infotainment systems. Oh. Okay. The automaker expects the free technology, which it is calling an industry first, to quickly expand from about a dozen offerings such as uh, donut shops uh, or reserving a table at a restaurant to dealership services like oil changes. So you just, from your infotainment system. So you just sit in your car while you're doing your gas, and you push a button, and your infotainment center will tell the the gas whatever pump that you're paid. Right. This sounds like something in Oregon. Something weird. You know, you can't even pump your own gas in Oregon. Did you know that? This this sounds like something from Portlandia. Paying for such paying for gasoline is expected to be available early next year. Dealership services such as scheduling oil changes or other maintenance are expected to be added as also early next year. Vehicles will have the capability to alert drivers of needed service to schedule them if the driver would like. Okay, I, I have a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, apparently this will work while the car is driving. Most of the stuff usually oh. in the infotainment Whoa. shuts down when you drive because yeah. of distractions. But some of this will be able to function while you're driving. So you can order donuts while you're driving well, down the freeway. The, I, have a, I see there's going to be a problem. You're going to be driving down the street, and it's going to be like, ching, 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 ching. Yeah. And you're going to be buying stuff all the way down the street. Well, yeah. The minute your car misfires. Or when someone steals your car, mm. they now have I've, access to your credit line. Your account. So you, they'll just start buying donuts. Boy. I'm telling you, this is an Oregon idea. They do not want you to get out of your car to pump gas, to buy things. That's why they even have a lower speed limit. You're mad they want, about that. They want you to get to your destination 
uh, later so that you have to be in your car longer. I remember getting gas in Oregon, not knowing that rule and having a person say, hey, step away from the gas tank. They yell at you. Yeah, I got tased. It's like you offended them. It's like you spit in their dinner. Ooh. I don't know if it's that bad. Yeah, I just <laughs> took it a whole new level. Finally, Matt, another finally. This is the second finally. Uh, this is the final finally. Could you eat a one kilogram Christmas dinner? One kilogram. Uh, you're going to have to convert that into something one American. Kilo. See, yeah. These, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a drug dealer, so I don't know <laughs> really? my kilograms. Wow. Hold on. Let me Thank do you. the we quick were conversion. <laughs> Can you? I mean, a, a one pound? Absolutely. It's a, it's a two, about two and a quarter pound. Wow! But it's a Christmas dinner burger. Okay. Wow. Do I have to go anywhere after? Apparently not. But there, you have the oh. photo. Ooh. Yes. Right. So this is this burger in a uh, UK restaurant. I take it. Someone came up with a Christmas dinner burger. Weighs in at about two, two and a, almost two and a quarter pounds. Contains a seven ounce steak patty, as well as smoked turkey breast and roast gammon. I'm not sure what roast gammon is. Mm, whatever it is, it sounds good. Okay, and that's all topped <laughs> off with cranberry sauce, turkey gravy, aged cheddar cheese. Wow. And canned pigs in a blanket. Mm. Turkey gravy. Turkey gravy. Okay, I'll try it. You ever had turkey gravy? Yeah, but not on a hamburger. Well, I mean, you're having Christmas dinner, so why not just finish it off with the... Why don't we put a candy cane on it? You could. That's dessert. So hold on, this is two and a half pounds. What does that equate to in Trump calories? Well, it's 2,300 calories. Oh, so it's one Trump meal. It's only just the one Trump just meal. Under so yeah, one they've Trump taken meal. all that. The Trump meal was two Big Macs, two Filet fish, and a, a shake. chocolate shake. Mm-hmm. Which is that's a that's a Trump meal we call that. So because yeah. I'm trying to get rid of the calories title. Okay. Trump meal equals twenty four hundred calories, right? Yes. So four Trump meals, ten thousand. Ten thousand. So yeah, we're, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a simple math process we're doing here. <laughs> the whole the the burger cost about seventeen dollars. That's not That's an not expensive that Christmas is not dinner. Bad. And 2,300 calories is about your daily allotment. I mean, you could spread calories. the whole thing so out all day if you choose. For $17 you eat for the entire I'm day? In. That's I'm a in. good deal. Sold. And you get you get some fries, or they may call them crisps or something. Yeah, that's kind of a pitiful little bit of crisps. So you need more fries? Yeah. Okay. Chips. Chips. Oh, chips, right. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. There's your, your holiday sandwich for the day. I'll find another one, another one tomorrow. I love it. I think you nailed it. Uh, okay. Here's – I don't know what it is. You do. Okay. Another phony sign language interpreter. Oh, really? again? There, again. Tampa, Tampa police got were duped. <laughs> and they held a press conference yeah. and they had an imposter sign language interpreter that was just signing gibberish. Like exactly like Do you your have video kid. Of this? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It is. It is the craziest. It's just sad because people need to know what's being said. Right. And she's just signing gibberish. Is this her job? No, I think they they just like hire contractors, but apparently they didn't check to see if she knew sign. But she's like, hey, how hard could it be? I'll figure it out. She's the other one. Well, and then some of oh, them no, were no, like, was the... I didn't understand a word she said. Well, yeah, you, she don't because she doesn't speak sign. 
they might have been tipped off by her just she kept doing the thumbs up yeah thumbs up maybe up's a little not okay a big... <laughs> yeah wiping her hey, brow little, little wow. hang little hang loose yeah. you know maybe when you do that two or three times in a <sighs> a, a police press conference that might be a little so what, telling what's the penalty i mean can you be There's, charged with so, fraud no because it's it's actually not a crime it's an ethical violation okay so they fire you so you'll be fired. But I if guess you're a contractor. No, you'll no longer be rehired. If you're a contractor, you can't be fired. And I think they're going for public shaming is what they're doing. Yeah. Which is what – I mean, I don't even know how to sign public shaming, but they ought to have someone signing that that's a public shame. Mm. Because the, the people that need to sign uh, an American Sign Language uh, interpreter, they've got to be super frustrated by these Tampa, Florida police – now, the next Thanks. person will come in actually no sign language, but then, you know, who knows? They'll just pick some random thing and start saying something else. Yeah. I bet you. This is what they really mean instead no. of. No. Yeah. I bet you could translate what she was saying. No. No. You can't? No. I, I caught a glimpse of it, and it seemed like she was saying the dog hops into a pastrami sandwich. Oh, because I, I had ham sandwich. Yeah. I mean, it translates just not into what the person was trying to convey. <laughs> it's horrible. Do you remember when somebody translated for President Obama in Africa somewhere? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was bad. Again, someone and who didn't know what they were doing. He was close to the president. I mean, you'd think the Secret Service would keep that guy away or at least know if he could sign or not. Boy, what do you do? Um, did you hear about this other guy, too? Talk about a bad day. Uh, you just go scuba diving. Either of you ever scuba dived? Yes. No. Uh, I've snorkeled. Well, uh, yeah, I snorkeled. Yeah, I've snorkeled. Either way, I, I almost drowned. It was the ocean. It was horrible. Um, well, a scuba diver apparently got sucked into an intake uh, grate at a nuclear power plant. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he's yeah. just he's swimming around a nuclear power plant and why? They have like a they have a they they have a like an intake. Was he water trying to intake. break in? No, I think just out, you know, practicing. Practicing he, his art. Did he come out with three eyes? No. But can you imagine? All of a sudden you're sucked into a nuclear power plant intake pipe and now you're fighting for your life. You're well, getting yeah. pulled in toward the building. I think I've seen like five TV shows where they did this, but you have to have your computer guy ready to shut off the pumps so you can swim through. Yeah, and it's right at that one moment, so you don't get chopped up into the into the blades of the. He didn't have his guy behind the computer. Is okay. this the uh, the Mission Impossible Six stunt that shut down production? Was this no. Tom Cruise? This is where no. he got hurt? No. Twisted his ankle? This was Christopher Lee Kuhn uh, said he didn't know he was scuba diving near a pipe uh, from the St. Lucie nuclear hmm. power plant in Florida where it pulls in around 500,000 gallons of ocean water per minute. Yet another reason to never go scuba diving. Yeah. yeah. When I was first sucked into the pipe, it was so turbulent, it was unbelievable. It took 30, 20 to 30 seconds before I got my bearings. He said he spent four to five minutes tumbling through darkness of the pipe. Holy cow. Terrifying. Before he says uh, he was able to get out and swim out and uh, and get back to his boat. His wow. family thought, you know, he's just gone somewhere. Hmm. He almost was. Then he said, I saw a tiny light in the distance, almost like somebody lit a match. Then all of a sudden, it was on me. It spit me out into the sunlight. 
and into this canal where there were tons of fish around. So apparently all the fish wow. in that area also got sucked. Unbelievable. Goliath groupers, tarpons, a bunch of fish that didn't make it through that harrowing journey. Can mm. you imagine a scarier five minutes? And then you go tell your family and they're like, oh, we were just looking at the turtle over here. <laughs> I almost died. And now I have, I've been in a power plant. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, I'm just Maybe you, next time don't swim next to the power plant. He didn't know that was where the, there was a pipe that was going to hoover him up. Hmm. It's your favorite president, by the way, isn't it? Yeah. Favorite vacuum, for sure. That's why I don't scuba. Well, that and the fact that I get claustrophobic when I can't breathe. Right. Yeah. That's, my, that's my problem with it, yeah. I always start to panic when I can't breathe. Mama said it's normal. Anyway, doing what we can, folks. Give you some... Uh, see, it could be worse. You could be just scuba diving and then get sucked into a power plant and then spit out into a pile of dead fish. Ugh. You thought you had a bad day? We'll continue the journey up next. We're going to talk about how to stay healthy during the holidays. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier life. Holidays are a great time to celebrate with cultural customs and family traditions, but some of those traditions include a whole lot of fat and sugar. And uh, if you eat every plate of cookies that is brought to your door, every homemade pie your mother makes, every secret recipe you find at a holiday party, you may wind up spending Christmas in the emergency room or New Year's on a treadmill. So how can we stay healthy while still enjoying the flavors of the holiday season? A few months back, I spoke with Judith Wortman, former director of the research program in women's health at the MIT Clinical Research Center and founder of Triad, a Harvard hospital weight loss center. We discuss how we can make sure that Santa is the only one gaining weight during the holiday season. I think it's interesting to think about why we tend to feast around this time. Of course, it is, you know, a celebration of an extremely important religious event. But, but you know, you think about it, in, the, our, in our life, we always, most of us have enough food all the time. Yeah. We don't have to save up all of our food for a feast. But when you go back, you know, 50 years even, or, or 100 years, people really did not have that much food. They certainly didn't have a lot of sugar and eggs and butter to make the treats that you were talking about, uh, or even... Uh, you know, the, a lot of, of meat, uh, you know, to make roasts or, um, uh, you know, let's say a, a roast goose or something like mm-hmm. or turkey. And so they saved up the food for a celebratory feast. And they and many times they shared food with their neighbors so they really could have just a wonderful, wonderful meal for many people. But who today doesn't have the possibility of a feast every single dinner? Right. You know, we go out to eat. Our portion sizes are gigantic. We make food at home. We have leftovers. Very few of us, thank God, are in a situation of sort of semi-starvation until we come to a holiday like Christmas when we really can eat what we want. But nevertheless, we still eat <laughs> at Christmas like we haven't seen That's a right. piece of meat or a cookie, you know, or, like or we're a, famished. a pot of butter. It, it, exactly. it is such a great point because um, – so these traditions we're living about food may just date back to the days we didn't have the food. And so maybe we could replace a few of them 
or alter them so they're not so food-centric or gluttony-centered, I guess, um, and and instead become, I don't know, maybe service-oriented or something else. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, a really wonderful meal. Sure. And perhaps the emphasis should be in our overcommitted, extremely busy lives, not the quantity of food, but perhaps, you know, I'm thinking about, about myself, you know, right, yeah. cooking, just finishing cooking Thanksgiving dinner, you know, spending more time in the kitchen and making food, not with haste and not, oh, here I go again, having to make dinner, mm-hmm. but, you know, with the love and attention and, and joy of making food for people that are very special to me. And so perhaps taking more time with the ingredients, taking more time with the preparation so that it's not just one, two, three, I'm throwing something on the table. And perhaps that's how we should look at Christmas eating, that you know, we're making things with great love yeah. and, and sharing. And, and so if it takes us three hours to make a special cookie or a pie or you know, some kind of casserole that normally we'd be throwing together in 10 minutes, that's how we're contributing to the joy of having a feast, not let's have 17 dishes, <laughs> all of which you know, have too many calories. Right. Well, and, and I guess, too, and, and maybe involve other people in the kitchen with you and have a yeah. conversation and share a really deep discussion for three hours or spend more time at the table, not just eating, but connecting Talking, talking. You know, that's exactly right. Because I, you know, when was the last time that many Americans actually sat down at the table with all their family together? Mm -hmm. You know, at the same schedule, the people came home from work and the kids came home from their after-school games and their after-school, you know, additional school and and music lessons, what have you, so that everybody sat down and ate at the same time. And it is a shame that we have to wait for special holidays to do this. But at least knowing that that is happening um, makes it, I think, very special. And also when you have relatives and friends coming from other parts of the country. You're right, it's not the food. But that, you know, it is the company and the conversation and the sharing of, of goodwill and happiness. But that being said, there really are many, many parties. You know, there are oh, parties yeah. at work and the parties at school and parties, you know, in, in your neighborhood and parties even stores sometimes give out cookies and <laughs> apple cider, what have you. Right. And it really is so hard not to overeat. And I, I think that... Um, there's no reason. I think when people have to go back to basics, you know, is it so unusual to say to people, you know, you really don't have to eat if you're not hungry? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. You know, sometimes you, know, you walk or, you know, you go to a coworker's desk and sit there's some cookies there or you're at school and the teacher brings in a, a wonderful coffee cake. But you're not hungry. You don't. There's no obligation for you to eat. <laughs> you know, I think that you sort of say, "It's true." Do you really want to eat that right now, but we don't do that. We just put the food in our mouth. I think that's one thing we have to think about. And the other thing, it's very important for especially people who are thinking, or have to get the meals together for the family. Okay. Is my family eating vegetables today? Are they having any fruit? Are they having any very low-fat dairy products like milk or cottage cheese or yogurt, especially the kids, so they're getting calcium? You know, are they drinking enough water uh, or uh, or or, you know, perhaps, um, well, basically water, maybe carbonated, you know, water, like mm-hmm. a, a flavored beverage or something like that, but without the calories. You know, are they having fruit for dessert and not eating cookies or, or ice cream or cake? Um, I think that it's important to sort of run through your head and say, okay, 
what are we all going to be eating today? Are we going to be going from one party to another and not having any real food because it's just appetizers? Right. Let's make sure that we really eat something substantial before we leave home, even if it's a matter of having maybe some tuna fish or having some cottage cheese with some fruit. Make sure that before you go out to those parties that you have something in your stomach so that you don't immediately go for that very creamy, cheesy oh, dip yeah. with the French with the potato chips <laughs> and and you know and 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 or or load up on on some kind of a a creamy casserole that you know has egg yolks and mm-hmm. <laughs> and cream and and you know your arteries are saying help help <laughs> they're hardening as you're sitting there but yeah, judith exactly. I, I sit there and i imagine if i knew somebody like you that was was an expert in healthy eating i mean the fun thing about the holidays too is it could be a great time to try something new like if you are hosting the event Try try new food. I mean, I remember eating the first time I ever ate a stuffed mushroom was huh. at a Christmas yeah. like meal, and it was an appetizer. And I thought, wow, that's You're good. Right. And I thought for the first time I had never tried mushrooms, let alone stuffed mushrooms. But it might be a great way to, you know, sneak in healthier options as as just new options. No, you're, you're, that's a brilliant idea. You know, th- think about you know the sort of starchy salads that people tend to serve, like the pasta salad or the the potato salad. Yeah. Why not make a quinoa salad? Oh yeah. Or a, a tabbouleh. You know, and 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 I don't know if people know what quinoa is, but it's, you know, it's a very high protein grain, and you can mix all sorts of vegetables with it and dress it with a little bit of olive oil and perhaps you know lemon juice, and uh, you know, that that is such a you know, a very healthy dish that once people eat it, they say, wow, this is good. Maybe I'll have it during the rest of the year as mm-hmm. well. Or, you know, try perhaps making, uh, instead of having, you know, roast beef or, or, you know, any other kinds of meat, which are you know, really very high in fat, but perhaps we, you can try making fish-based appetizers that, or sea or shellfish appetizers if they're not too expensive in your part of the country because they're certainly much, much lower in, in calories. I mean, remember... There was a time when nobody knew what sushi was. Right. You know, yeah. Right? I mean, now it's in every supermarket. But when did, where did sushi appear? It appeared, you're right, at, at, at catered events. Mm-hmm. You, know, well, it, you, you, you first sat in the restaurants and then, oh, I'm having a wedding and we're going to serve sushi. And people said, what's that? Yeah. And they began to like it. But if you, if, you serve sushi, if you serve sushi at Christmas, it would be gone. It, people yeah. would eat it. I mean, it would be unconventional. But everyone I know would eat it. I mean, that's what's amazing is all of a sudden, if the option were there, I mean, is is the tradition the turkey? Is the tradition the stuffing? We just did that for Thanksgiving. So Christmas might be a great way to introduce a whole different fare. Yes, and you know, I know there's something else I think that I'm thinking about the preparation of meals. In a way, you know, putting a roast in the oven or ham or turkey is really the easy part. You know, you put it in, you baste it, you know, you may season it ahead of time. And then, of course, the hard part is carving it. Right. But think about the time that you have to spend making vegetables. Vegetables take a lot of time. You have to peel them and dice them. And, you know, if, if there's something like squash, you have to take out the stringy part of the middle. If you're making Brussels sprouts, you have to cut off the ends. You have to, you know, taking carrots, you have to peel them. And, and so it takes a lot of time, and a lot of people don't want to take that time. But on the other hand, getting back to what you said, what if instead of you know, making, making the main point of the meal, this turkey that you just threw in the oven, what if you really looked up, and the Internet has 
hundreds, oh. thousands of recipes. Yeah. You know, look, how can I make Brussels sprouts today or sweet potatoes mm-hmm. or carrots or string beans or grilled asparagus or something that really are different? Because that's where the love yeah. and time and care come into it. You can't throw a vegetable at somebody and have that person eat it unless you spend a lot of time <laughs> right. thinking about how to make it taste good. And, 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 and then and the challenge that, of that is yeah. fun, too. I mean, it might be... If you have if you have your dinner guests bring have them all bring their best vegetable that no one's ever tried. That's right. I mean, think about something like a, like grilled asparagus or, or oh. Brussels sprouts, which no one ever ate. Right. No one ever ate. Right. Fifteen, twenty, you know, ten years ago. Now everybody eating Brussels sprouts, roasted <laughs> or some other way. And yeah, and of course it's healthy. Mm-hmm. And if people fill up on the vegetables, they're not going to fill up so much on the on the foods that have you know just tons of butter and cream and egg yolks. Yeah. And cheese, because that is, you know, you really want to live beyond January 1st. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. We're speaking with Dr. Judith Wortman. It also seems like energy is a big deal um, because I'm assuming if we're eating all of these unhealthy carbs and if, let's say, our serotonin is a little bit lower and when we have time off, we may not have the energy to go exercise. We're, we're exhausted. We just want to veg. Are there, are there any tricks we can use for our energy? Yeah, I th- one thing, uh, first, um, I think it's very important to get enough sleep. And I think you sort of mentioned that it, it, because if you are up, you know, if you're getting much less sleep because you're writing Christmas cards, right, you know, shopping right. and wrapping presents, decorating the house, you know, traveling, that is going to really sap your energy and really also decrease, you know, your, your good mood because people tend to get um, really irritable when they don't get enough sleep and even their attention span seems to a decrease. So if A, get enough sleep. Make sure you get enough sleep, you know, if, even if it means not accomplishing everything that you think you have to. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is stay away from high-fat foods because they, when you eat a lot of high-fat foods, as one of my friends said, all you're really good for is testing mattresses. <laughs> you, know, you, know, that, you know, you just feel so logy and tired yeah. and you don't feel like moving. And thirdly, try to get outside when the sun is shining. If the sun shines, yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's not a cloudy part of the, of the country, because the, having that bright sunlight on, you know, looking in your eyes really does perk up your energy. It's sort of getting rid of a, of a little bit of the, the winter blues, you know, not getting rid of the darkness and, and being outside. And so if you can act to something outside like walking or, you know, even skiing or, or you know, uh, sledding or something with your kids, that really, I think, will perk you up, even though you may be involved oh, in physical yeah. activity. Um, I mean, and, and lastly, don't make excuses for yourself. I mean, it's so easy to say, oh, I'm tired, I don't mm-hmm. have the time, you know, it's cold outside, I don't want to go to the gym. But even if you can just m- move a lot more than you normally would, you know, just get up and, and don't use the remote on the TV or walk up and down the stairs in your house um, or, or just walk around your the outside of your house and put food in your bird feeder. But do find some to move because interestingly, as you start moving and doing some physical activity, you increase blood flow to yeah. the brain. There you go. And all of a sudden you think, hey, you know, I feel better. Yeah. And, and, so, and you're back to you. I mean, then then you yeah. might be able to make better choices and then start leading your life instead of just being led. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think many times people may give themselves the excuse of being overwhelmed with Christmas preparations, not in a good way, you know, to say, okay, I can eat what I want, right. you know, I'm too tired to think about making a good meal for myself, and I don't have to exercise, and you can't do that, because, you know, every day, 
every day your body counts on you to making sure that it's a healthy day for your body. And, you know, as one of my friends once said a long time ago, you know, life is not a dress rehearsal. You're just going through it. You don't have a second time. A <laughs> That's second right. Chance. This is it. This is your shot. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Judith Wortman, we appreciate you. That It's such great insight. And is the best place for them to go reach you at serotoninpowerdiet.com? Yeah, that would be fine. And we have a wonderful forum of people who are following the diet, who exchange information with each other. And uh, and I, I also have um, every week a blog on something free. Look at it, Psychology Today oh, Online, yeah. you know, about some of the things we were talking yeah. about. So people can read that, and if they want to make, get in contact with me, all they have to do is just make a comment, and I get it, and That's I can great. respond to them. All you got to do is look so up Judith Wortman. Yes, exactly. Anyways, have a wonderful Thank holiday. Thank you, Judith. Wonderful talking to you. You too. Good to talk to you again. <laughs> Happy you. holidays Thanks. and great ideas. When you think about it, it's really it's, – so much of it is about your chemistry, right, and your traditions. You might be living a tradition you don't even think through um, because, you know, you're just – it's all about the food. But maybe the food could turn into better relationships, better connections, powerful stuff. Go look up Judith Wortman um, on uh, Psychology Today or – serotoninpowerdiet.com we'll take a break my friends come back visit our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation hey I've got a present I'm going to give them I already know what I'm getting them both for Christmas it's so cute you will die stick with us folks this is the Matt Townsend Show Welcome back, friends. Yeah, a little music from Shaft, Isaac Hayes. You gotta love that. Uh, let's gonna shoot it down to our really cool and hip brethren down at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem, and find out what's coming up on their show, BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Matthew. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How you guys doing? Shaft. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shaft. Hey, um,. Speaking of Shaft, oh boy! Uh, did you guys watch that Monday night football game? No, I did watch uh, a large amount of that Monday night football game. It Appar- got really ugly. In a yeah. Hurry. So tell me about it because now everybody is uh, you know screaming and uh, talking about the fact it's probably the beginning of the end for the NFL. People are appalled at the 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 just the savage hits and the I don't know. Is it is is it that big of a deal? I mean, isn't this football and isn't this kind of how it's supposed to be played? Or really now are we turning a page where, you know, we, we care about people's bodies a lot the way it seems like it should be? Oh, absolutely. The the hepin, uh, the helmet used to protect. And as Tony Kornheiser said yesterday, now it's weaponized. the yeah. people. So we need to be careful. Obviously, CTE and its effects are... Uh, a sensitive issue, and the point of knowledge is to gain it and then change your actions. Yes. Said knowledge. So we have more knowledge than we did when uh, Mean Joe Green was, was hitting people. And, and back in the day, you used to be able to just twist the face mask, and now there are rules against that. And yeah, not even Eventually, allowed. it becomes flag football-ish in pads for the safety of people. Uh, obviously, the concussion movie a few years ago. Yeah. A lot of our society enjoys violence. Well, the athletes and their bodies have been more weaponized as well. Oh, yeah. They are gladiators. We have uh, better nutrition, better weight training and whatnot. Yeah, it's an interesting deal, right? Because 
we like seeing big hits, but you don't want someone to actually get hurt. Like the the BYU football play of the year was Braden Elbakri's hit in the San Jose State game. The player that he hit was okay, so then we can still show that play and talk about it. Yeah. But if that guy's not okay, now it's different. Right? I'm looking it up right now because i got to remember it. Oh, it's quite the hit. Braden Elbakri, San Jose State hit. Because, uh, too, I think it was Juju Schuster-Smith that hit this uh, hit, hit somebody and then um, stood over him, taunted him. and it, That's it, not – the taunting part's not bad. It's yeah, the hit. Yeah. It's the uh, – Even Roethlisberger now is saying he doesn't want his kid to play football. Yep. I yeah. Mean, well, did it, you see what happened to his number one receiver, Antonio Brown, in the end zone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was weird. I can't believe he got up after that no, and held totally. on to the ball. No, it was it was ugly. And then, uh, what's her name? His name, Shaz- Shazier? Shazier? Ryan Shazier. Shazier. Yeah. Shazier, he, I mean, it just seemed like a regular hit, and he's his legs flopped. He's now in the hospital with a spinal cord injury. Yeah, not not cool, right? Not cool. Part of the risk, but how much risk do you want there to be? And and do you think because everyone? I mean, even uh, some of the big sportscasters, uh, Troy Aikman and others, were saying this is this is going to impact you know stands. People are going to start saying it's too much. It's too dangerous. I don't well, want my kids doing this. Yeah, yeah. That's a scary deal because it's it's a fun sport. Yeah, football is uh, evolving or devolving, depending on which side of the argument you're on. Whatever it is, it's alving, right? It's alving. There's a lot of alvement. <laughs> hey, um, I hear we, we have a game with Illinois State today. Now, if you hear Illinois State, you might be like, who? Who? Illinois State's a team that just barely missed the NCAA tournament last year. They were a fantastic team. They uh, sent out Their head coach sent out a tweet hoping to schedule tougher. BYU's been like a top 50 RPI game traditionally. So BYU gets uh, a game with Illinois State tonight. The Redbirds have played the 21st toughest schedule in America. They're a good team. they got a 20-point score. This is going to be a, a fun matchup uh, with Illinois State tonight in the Marriott Center on BYU TV and BYU Radio. So if you haven't heard of Illinois State, this, this, is, a good, this is a good club coming in Provo tonight. Plus, you know, from Illinois. Plus Illinois, man. What, what more do you want? <laughs> we, I don't know. You tell me. We left that state, but here they come. Yeah, they're still coming. Hey, um, I don't know if you guys saw it, and I don't want to brag about my own artwork, but I during the show I drew a picture of um, of Jeffrey Liam Simpson, and we posted it on our Twitter page at Doctor Matt Show. Nice. I just you know if you ever get around to it, I'd love some feedback on it. Okay. Um, it, 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 it had a lot of lip. A lot Are of lip. You ready for unfiltered feedback? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't my best work. I'll just... We're looking at it now. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at... Wow, Matt. The lips are really nice. Yeah. He's... Has Jeff not shaved? He needs to shave. uh, Does HR know about this? It's something we've been talking about. Is that hair over the ear? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm worried about his red eyes, too. Like, you need to get more sleep, Jeff. (laughs) Yeah. He's got pink eye. That early morning show. A little conjunctivitis. Bob Costas said uh, none of that. Brutal. Anyway. Brutal. I'm just starting, guys. Bob Ross someday. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the next Bob Ross. Uh, this is where I'm going. Happy little trees. Hey, uh, what's what's gonna be on your show today, gentlemen? Well, we talked about know the foe with Illinois State, right? Yeah, yeah. So besides getting to know their notable alumni, we want people to decide who should be the new BYU football offensive coordinator based on blind resumes. Oh wow. Disassociate names that you've heard. Jeremy and I put out our top five most likely candidates. 
yesterday on the show. Just pure by resume. That's we're great. We're going to show you the resumes from those five, and we want people to choose based without bias, just on the credentials that these guys have yeah. on their resumes. So well, if we give you a name, you may have a preconceived idea yes. as to whether yeah. you want that person or not. Exactly. So we'll show you the resume, and then you'll be like, hireable or not. Well, d- didn't our last uh, AC have a have a Heisman Trophy winner? I mean, it's, yes. that seems came pretty good for the school, resume. Yeah. yeah, came from coaching high school straight up. Yeah, When you win a Heisman Trophy, you get that. Yeah, it jumps you right up. Prerogative. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> make the jump, baby. This is going to be a good show, then. So we may very well, having the blind study here, we may very well find our athletic coordinator. Uh, I mean, our, our offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. Yeah. Maybe BYU needs an athletic coordinator. Well, maybe that's the problem. Is they're they not? Have, they have the injuries. A, right? They have a director. Maybe the athletes an aren't as coordinated as they need to be. <laughs> oh, always important, right? The coordination. I mean, I can't do everything. To sport, one must coordinate. <laughs> we have somebody who is extremely athletically coordinated, Tyler Haas, joining us. In fact, he's the all-time leading scorer in BYU basketball history. He's back in Studio B. Really? And then there's someone who orates, of sorts, Greg Rubel, the voice of uh, De Los Cougars. De Los Cougars. Yeah. Orador. There you go. That's there you a, go. Okay, great show, guys. Loaded. Locked and loaded. Boy, that's why they get the big money, folks. The big money. Because they can use the word like orator, just off the cuff. It's good stuff. Uh, they liked the picture, though, Jeff. Yeah, I'm still... Uh, You're still out, but I'll draw another one tomorrow. Can, mean, you, can you fill in my teeth, at least? Yeah, I didn't mean to do the teeth thing. Okay. Next time, I'll, you'll have teeth. I think at that point, you were just bored, and so you were doodling on your doodle. Come again? <laughs> Probably shouldn't repeat what I just I said. Was, uh, tomorrow you'll have teeth, and I'm gonna, I'm, I will look for a brown marker so I can get your hair right. Because the black – And my eyes. It's too stark. I've been yeah. told I have the most beautiful brown eyes ever. Yeah. You know what they remind me of? My dog, Buddy. He had beautiful brown eyes too. Hey, hero story of the day uh, is a fifth grader saves a choking classmate's life. Check this out. Acts of heroism can be found everywhere, even inside an elementary school cafeteria. That's the case with a Georgia fifth grader who saves his classmate's life with his quick thinking. Frank Navarez Jr. was eating lunch at uh, Crabapple Lane Elementary's cafeteria when he heard another student yelling that someone was choking. Frank turned around, rushed into action, performing the Heimlich maneuver and saving his classmate's life. Frank had learned the maneuver in his Boy Scout first aid merit badge class. But he had never used it in a real-life situation. His parents from Fayette County bus drivers uh, Marisol and Frank Navarez Sr. were told about their son's heroism by kids on their bus routes. When the children on the bus told me that Frank, what Frank had done, my eyes started to become teary. Because of his quick action, that student uh, life had been saved, uh, the father said. While he was praised by teachers and students for his action, Frank still remains humble. Although many students call me a hero, I don't consider myself one, he said. So, Frank uh, Navarez Jr., you're the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. And we need them. We need more and more heroes in this world. And by the way, you can be one as well. Just be the person that you can be. Just be your best. Do your best, and uh, you'll lift the rest of the world. That's the show. We'll be back again tomorrow. More ideas, more information to help you live longer and love stronger. BYU Sports Nation is up next. 